0: How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema show Podcast, episode 251.
1: I have a, w- a witty quote for you, Zeke. A witty quote. But I'm going to hold on to it. I'm not going to withdraw it just yet. Yes. Is it a withdrawal or a deposit? With my quote.
0: <laughs> Is that a quote?
1: I guess because I'm... No, because I'll deposit it to you. The yes,
0: quote. you're depositing it. I would like to withdraw this quote.
1: Oh, in a moment. Okay. First, I want to introduce someone. To the audience, yes, very exciting. Is yes. it, uh, someone who hasn't been on the show in a long, long time, making a long-awaited return? Was
0: it two uh, over two hundred episodes ago.
1: Yes. Oh, holy moly! When We've you had put a put whole like pandemic.
2: That... Since oh my that. god, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Jesse newell Thank you for having me. Back, to the show. <laughs> back. It has been what feels like a millennium. uh Many things have happened since then. You know, the so world. Yeah.
0: Your last episode was Joker.
2: Yeah, I, King King of Comedy. No, no, they, yeah, but, yeah, King of Comedy. So, it was the week before Joker came out. It was the
1: lead into the Joker.
2: And the reason why partially so i think you let me pick that episode and the reason why i picked that is because um obviously with joker they were talking about some of the influences on that film and one of them was the king of comedy Mm. um there was uh, one of the trailers used uh the music from modern times and so i watched Mm. that as well and then i think i even watched like the man who laughs that silent film yes the, i remember you talking about the that the 30s which is like the like a proto joker as well <laughs> um, yeah no that oh, that,
0: so that is 200 and what 13 episodes 214 episodes
1: something ago. like that i've got here that i mean that episode the king comedy aired in september 2019 so wow. yes pre covid uh, Pre marriage. Yep.
2: You're uh, a married man now. I'm, I'm a changed man. I feel I feel like I've I've lived an entire life since that My goodness, yeah. since that podcast. But I am uh, so glad to be back. Um thank Aww. you so much for having me and oh, you're uh, you're welcome. congratulations for making it this far and for um for the home stretch on these uh, mm. last ten ten episodes, is it? Yes. Yep.
1: This is the would this be the tenth last one? Technically,
0: yes. yeah. This is it's the tenth. one of the last yes. 10. Yep. Yeah. Cool.
1: Well, because, ladies and gentlemen, we'll now begin boarding on Continental Flight 251 with service to New York, LaGuardia. LaGuardia?
0: LaGuardia. LaGuardia. What, what film is that from?
1: That is from... I, don't, I could either of you guess what film that's from. It's a uh, little obscure.
0: Uh, uh
2: Airplane, <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good guess. Or no. technically, it's called flying high here. So yes, like no. airplane slash flying high. I think we
1: sadly did call it airplane on the, when we did that film in this podcast. We should have stuck uh, to flying high. Yeah, should I mean, burn we, your credentials. I know, it's an Australian show. No, <laughs> that is from a Sydney lament film called Gloria. Nineteen ninety nine. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen that. No, me no. neither. But neither. I know
2: of Sidney Lumet, and I yes. f- I feel like I should be watching more of his stuff. Mm. I know there were there some of my colleagues would probably crucify me if I said I'd never seen one of his films before. But uh, <laughs> oh, really? Not even Twelve Angry Men. Oh, yeah, no, I haven't. I am so sorry. Oh, my goodness. That is that a is phenomenal yeah, film. Yeah, no. I, there's so much... There's just too much stuff out there. <laughs> there's just so much. I'm just drowning in, con- like, films. That I, there are so many films, I'm just like, I need to watch this. And then it's just like... It's one thing, like, knowing how many films there are and then trying to track them down because they're always switching streaming services. Yeah, And, like, one streaming service buys another and then, like, it's on the streaming service for 30 days and then you go to watch it and then it's no longer on the streaming service and you're like... Where did this go? <laughs> I noticed that when we did all the Charlie Chaplin
1: stuff last week that it had on SBS On Demand, like, oh, one month remaining. Yeah. Or like four yeah,
3: months I, remaining. I don't
0: know how that works with their, like, like, like if they get them for a period of time.
2: But well, I think the, they all do. All but at services. the very least, one thing I do, you kind of go in with that mindset at the very least with SB, SBS On Demand because it's a free service. I know they cycle Correct. through a lot of stuff. So, like, um, they got the rights to Atlanta. Mm. Um the T the Donald Glover T V series when it came out. Um and so they had that when it was airing and they would I think they would air it actually on proper SBS like free to wear T V They had that for a particular time, and then it would go on to, I think it's Disney or one of the streaming services. So, like, so they had it for a certain time, and then after that period, it got passed on to streaming service. So, like, you kind of at least go in with that mindset with SBS that, like, everything's kind of temporary on there anyways. But it's just annoying when it's, like, Netflix, and it's, like, you think... Something's a Netflix original, i.e., the Daredevil series, and then all of a sudden it's not.
1: <laughs> I forgot about that whole saga. No, you're right. Even- that, that's interesting because like, I think Netflix and the, they're all the same, but they're just less public about when things are leaving. Mm. Yeah, a bit. and then Disney Plus is just like they just slip that delete button. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, like apparently um, deleting
0: fifty million dollar films.
2: I think <laughs> just they were they're moving that. Knives Out from Netflix as well, which I remember that being a big. I thought thing. they had like a no movie That makes no sense.
1: Deal. Yeah. I, oh, I guess they uh, the future films they have distribution deals for. Yeah, I but, guess well, the I don't first know. one they. Could, yeah, no, I, but no, that does make sense because own I guess he owns. Ryan Johnson owns the IP. Yeah, I made the first one for.
2: Oh, Who did they make the first one for? No money, what probably say, like, No, no, like who, <laughs> right. who
1: like, distributed it oh. Is the DVD Is it so loose, you were going for all my DVDs Yeah, I was, hang on Is that the only one you put back in its
2: proper spot? <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> How uh, convenient, is that like uh, a Lionsgate uh, thing? Or? Li- yeah, Lionsgate I, I didn't, maybe I've gaslit myself But I could have sworn <laughs> this was, like I know the second one was a Netflix original but Yes, I and sworn the third one the, will be too yeah. The first one was also a netflix original but i don't know
1: no the first no the first one because i had the full theatrical release yeah and then it was, was a million that? years ago when that i movie know yeah disney plus didn't exist when you last came on this podcast really <laughs> genuinely baffling
0: yeah. to think about
1: because i remember i remember the whole first 50 episodes of the show i was like Phew. Never gonna buy a Disney Plus. Never gonna buy, it. and then I just bought it straight away. I was <laughs> for five years. I, w-
2: I was the same until I found out they did annual subscriptions, and I was like, okay, no, well that makes more sense. And then when you think about uh, how they acquired pretty much every Fox property, you're just like, oh, okay, mm. yeah, sure. Like I was looking through, they've got like they have a weird like some some really good stuff on there. Like um, they've got some.
1: There was a period of time when, like, you would get, like, Nomadland very yeah. quickly, or, like, the Banshees of really quickly.
2: They have, um, uh, Martin Scorsese's Bringing Out the Dead on there. Oh, I was, I was scrolling a through, because yeah. I went through a bit of a Scorsese, like, binge, mm. and then I was just like, what is this doing on here? I'm like, I've never seen this before, so I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> it's there just, you go. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I'm sure we'll talk about Scorsese in a moment. Good old Marty. I would love to talk about Marty and Felma.
2: Don't, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget Thelma. Don't forget Felma.
1: Thelma. But um, before we do that, I think we should get into some fun trivia facts for Hot Potato, the story of the Wiggles. Zeke. Hot Potato, yes. Hot Potato. Do you have a fun fact for us?
0: I do. This film premiered at the, in Sydney at the South by Southwest Ooh. Festival. I could... Um, I'm not sure if that's legit or real. It's not like we have someone who attended. Ah, oh, to, to confirm. To confirm. Well, not.
2: That's well, where you're wrong, kiddo. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, I... um, Yeah, I I went to South by Southwest. It's an... it's a nor- bleh, bleh, Sorry. It's inaugural, inaugural? Yes. Sydney Festival. It's oh. being held in austin texas for however many years it's been going and this year they decided we're going to branch out and trial it in the asia pacific region so uh yeah they 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 had a festival in sydney my first Uh, thought when you said that was sydney texas or texas (laughs) sydney (laughs) fortunately well less guns well actually guns like that is what fact factored into my decision i was like I would love to go to South by Southwest, just the regular South by Southwest. Sure. But um, I was like, yeah, well, look, it's cheaper to fly to Sydney than it is to Texas and also significantly less guns. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Sydney instead. Um, but, yeah, mm. no, I went to South by Southwest. That was a couple of weeks ago. Um mm. had a fantastic time, learned a lot. Went mainly for film stuff, but other stuff as well. Every department, like, because it's a convergence of, like, arts, tech, gaming music, film, they've They've got a huge melting pot of just just everything, and everyone's talking about AI and how scary AI is. Oh, so, interesting! Uh, uh, yeah, no, learnt a lot about uh, AI, and uh, yeah, it's here to stay.
1: Did <laughs> you learn anything about Hot Potato, the story of the Wiggles?
2: I did. I learnt Ooh. some. Inje- Sorry, that was a weird tangent. How but good was that a segue? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Very, on that shit, <laughs> I, I am impressed by your uh, segue there. Yeah, no, I learnt some interesting bits of trivia. It was. It was so I I was lucky enough to attend the uh the the world premiere of Hot, po- Hot Potato. Mm. They had the uh OG Wiggles in attendance as oh, well wonderful. as some of the new uh the new guys, new guys, gals as well. Um, with the exception of oh my gosh, I forgot his name. Sam? Is it Sam? Oh, yes. Sam, which yeah. I I think he, it's he, he seems to have some tea. We yeah, we <laughs> might have an interesting discussion on that later because I have some thoughts. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. yeah so so yeah. most of the new crew, except for him, uh, were there. Um, and so they did a bit of a Q and A before, uh, well before awesome. the film, and the, the director Sally Aitken was there as well. Um, so my bit of uh trivia for this film. Did you know that so in the film of course they they allude to the fact that uh Captain Feathersword, the the guy who got the role of Captain Feathersword in the group, he mm. um is a classically ch- trained theatre actor and I think mm. they I think he was in was it uh, Phantom of the Opera or something? I think that was yeah, there the was image a, they used. There's an
0: excerpt of clearly he performed
2: in Phantom. Yeah, he did Phantom mm. of the Opera and he probably did a number of other plays. Um but my uh, interesting tidbit is in the Q&A he he revealed to us that uh he studied uh theater at uh WAPA, the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts in mm. Perthia. And he went to classes with Hugh Jackman. Um and Funnily enough, unfortunate for him, apparently he lost <laughs> so many roles to Hugh Jackman. They would both apply for the stage plays and he would just miss out on all these roles. Mm. And then you look at the 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 casting sheet and it's just Hugh Jackman and he just every subsequent one he's just like, Oh my god gosh That's... Like another one <laughs> so he took
0: a huge jackman on hugh jackman yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, a little to the Rick and point Morty shout out
2: <laughs> to the point where apparently he um uh it would have been a few years into the wiggles uh when they got big in the u.s um he he was at some some event with some friends and he um uh, Hugh Jackman was in attendance and he was t- telling one of his mates, like, hey, I, I bet you I can hold a conversation. You know, I'll-, I'll go up to Hugh Jackman and talk to him. And they're like, no, you don't know Hugh Jackman. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, and he's like, watch. And he went up and, he- <laughs> and Hugh Jackman's like, oh, hey, mate, how's it going? And, you know, they, you know, he hit it off so well; they had a great conversation, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm still a little." And look, I'm I'm paraphrasing. Sure, I, he, I'm sure he didn't say it like this, but he basically was like talk, opened up about how how he was a little salty that he kept stealing all his roles, and Hugh Jackman was like, "Yeah, mate, but." Uh... I wasn't in the Wiggles, though, so uh, who's the real winner here? <laughs> uh, 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 uh. That's that's quite humble of him, I like I that. I know, I just, I admired how humble that man was. Um, yeah. They both can <laughs> laugh because they have got boatloads of money each, so... Yeah, that is true. <laughs> One gets paid to wiggle a feather sword but around I mean, all day. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like,
1: I think on the surface level you have the Wiggles, which I, I think would be easy, especially for non-Australians, to sort of pass off the level of fame they had and, and the, the, the impact they had on even just other mm. celebrities which the doco goes into but it, it's like he could easily say I'm Wolverine yeah that's I'm Marvel that's way more popular than the Wiggles and yeah there's some truth to the fact that he's like no but I'm actually jealous of of you exactly so I, I find that very fascinating yeah. indeed yeah. I did not attend the uh, Sydney Screening or the premiere, so I do not have anything interesting to say about that. I know it's. I should have been been there.
2: I will also say it was very surreal for me being a grown man in a room, what like, you know, a couple of meters away from these these figures that I idolised when I was, like... I mean, it's one thing to idolise someone when you're, you know, a fully-fledged adult, but, like, someone you idolized when you were, like, a really young kid Mm. um, and just, I don't know, not actually... uh, Like, I think I probably would have seen them live once when I was young, but, like, Mm. to actually just see them when you're an adult and see how they've aged as well is just... It was a very... Surreal experience. I was like, what am I doing here? Like, mm. like, shouldn't you be... So, like, why am I here? Shouldn't you be somewhere else? Shouldn't you, like... W- why,
1: why are you here in a place I have access to? Yeah. That- <laughs> why are you in events Cinema's
2: George Street? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shouldn't you be in a mansion somewhere? <laughs> know, they should be at Luna instead, not yeah, Events. <laughs> it is, it, but
0: it is odd being, like, so close to those people. Yeah. And then how quick your... How normal they are, mm. like as people, they're just people. Yeah. And we had that experience when we met, like
3: mm. Cannonball, yeah,
0: and that was like, that was a moment. It's like you, you, you go through your head. We sat here for like two hours thinking, what am I going to ask him? What am I going to ask him? And then we ended up being backstage with them for two hours. and I don't think we asked a single question that we thought we were going to ask. Right? Yeah. We ended up just talking, and we were just in awe of just talking to them about normal,
1: conversations s- normal and- yeah, normal things.
2: On the topic of meeting people, another person I, or well, I almost met at South by Southwest. Uh, so it was the night of, so the op, so we got there a couple of days before the festival started. Yeah. Um and uh on the day of the, on the first day of the festival, they had the opening night gala screening, which was um the Royal Hotel by um Kitty Green. It's got um. There's so much hype behind this film. It's it, it's pretty good, but um that like that was the flagship opening night film and Mm. they had a big cast you know well the cast couldn't attend because of the strikes but um of course but but a lot of high profile people were there um but a few hours before that i had to do a grocery run and i and i ran into woolies um and uh my wife and i were you know doing some meal prep for the week so we you know got a heap of things she sent me down one end of, and this is a Woolies I've never been to before so I'm trying to navigate <laughs> around this Woolies that has like this, all its three different tiers and I walk past the uh the the men's uh health section and there's a guy there and I'm like this guy looks familiar and so like I don't think much of it I walk past mm-hmm. and then like I walk back again and he's still there and I take one look and I'm like holy crap, is that Charlie Brooker, like, in the deodorant <laughs> section? And, like, I took a moment just to sort of, like, just, I, I, I low-key just walked down the aisle a little bit to get a better, better look. I'm like, yeah, I think it is. And the reason it took me a while at first is because he had the classic MCU disguise on. He had uh, <laughs> air, he had AirPods in. The, the hat. He, he had the hat on. <laughs> And he had a real focused look. He That's was looking so at funny. like deodorants for like a solid like fifteen minutes or so. And I wanted to say something, but as a fellow introvert, I kind of You respected I, it. I, <laughs> I I I respect that he he looked like someone that wanted some privacy mm. um because, you know. Because if, he knows so much about the technology of the world. Exactly. <laughs> he's avoiding it. If he didn't have his earphones in, maybe I would have said something, but the fact that He had his earphones in. I was like, yeah, no, okay, I'll just have... And so, like, I literally... I walked away, and I found Alicia. I was like, Alicia, come here, come here. (laughs) Is this Charlie Brooker? (laughs) And then we walked down the aisle, and we just, like, we just walked past him. And then we went out the aisle, and then I was like, so was that Charlie Brooker? And she's like... Yeah, 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 that's definitely him. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he did a talk at South by Southwest. I saw, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. so
1: surprised that he was an Australian. Uh, I, I probably would have avoided him, too, for fear that he's read my most recent Black Mirror. Oh, and yeah, that. the box reviews. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need to have
2: this conversation right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no. Yeah, as, that... as
0: Jake has pointed out, Charlie Brooker is the creator of Black Mirror. Mm. Oh, yeah, probably should have oh, said Oh, yeah, that. fair enough. And many
2: yeah. other things as well. I uh, did Kunk on Earth. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's funny that really company. fun fun netflix series mm. um, and yeah, no. yeah death to 2020 he's in that elite film oh yeah, yeah. i haven't heard good things about no. either no. of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so bad we don't
1: talk about death to 2020 but um death to death to 2020 is oh would yeah say, yeah but...
2: De- death to the film itself for exactly
1: sure. <laughs> but it, this kind of segues pretty decently into I guess what has to be my trivia fact for this film because there is no IMDB trivia for this film not really and there is no Prime X-Ray trivia for the film so mm. um, I'm going to have to go with the, the most self-indulgent one I can think of is that I've technically worked with Mr. Greg Page oh, cool. before Um is it goes back to like meeting your heroes and that's surrealistic but the funny thing is I didn't realise that was him until after our interaction <laughs> because what happened is I was asked to do this very vague thing at the back lot mm. and I go there and I got these random audio and camera things and I, I'm not even sure what I'm meant to be doing here and then I'm passed over a phone for this project so like a pencil head uh, animated thing yeah and they'll, like, oh, just quickly introduce yourself to the, these are like the producers on the phone. So I quickly grab it. And of course, like any good FaceTimer, you're looking at yourself, not the people in the yeah. face, but also because you're nervous. You're like, I don't know who these people are. And then I find out through context later that I was talking to Greg Page. <laughs> yeah. and I had no idea until hours later, I was like, that's really funny. So, but it's like yeah. you said, it's that, it's more surreal because mm. they're heroes from your childhood. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like if I met Toby Maguire, I guess it would, yeah. it would be like, like what? Like what do you do? Exactly. Yeah, as opposed to something like Cat Empire, you're yeah. right. Where I think we're able to contain ourselves enough, yeah, to get through like a normal, non fanboy conversation.
2: <laughs> also, as well, um, on that note, um, mm. uh, so I told my mama uh, that I went to the. Uh, the premiere of this and that all the wiggles are in attendance mm. and she did that classic mum thing where she was like oh did you go up and 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 speak to them and say like oh that i went to your show at this time and i'm like <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a QA. there was no meeting opportunity sure you yeah. know i don't want to interfere like they're not going to re-
3: I'm not going to remember no, oh, who I, I, I was. I remembered you in the crowd. I don't and, remember <laughs> this
2: this small child from 2002. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, so, that oh that leads God. us pretty
0: much into what we've watched in the last week. Well, mm. to be honest, from my own personal account, I'm going to have the shortest section. I've only really watched the uh, film of the week and uh, yeah, that first episode of season two of Invincible, mm. um, which. I assume you've also caught Jesse.
2: Yes, I really enjoyed Um, Invincible season one. Episode two, uh, season two is pretty good. Yeah,
0: but I'll probably talk about that when we get towards the end of that season, because... Oh, fair enough. Because it was a good first episode. Mm. It's kind of like... But I think it's more important, Jesse, you go through the films that you've covered in the South by Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. We saw a lot. <laughs> well,
1: I've, got, uh, I've got your letterbox yep, open here. Yep, I mean, so you really enjoyed the Royal Hotel.
2: That's great. Really enjoyed the Royal Hotel. What's uh, that about? It's a sort of a strip back. Um, it's actually inspired by Hotel Coolgardie. Okay, so it's about these. Um, Sorry, I actually haven't prepared for this one, but I'm just going to go based on memory. No, it's not um, right. as, it, as much or as little it, time you want put into it
0: as we, you We like. have talked about Hotel. I've watched Hotel Cool um and we've discussed it on the show. That's mm. the two um, Swedish backpackers, is that...?
2: Yeah, I they... actually haven't seen Hotel Cool but that's the the vague premise and of it. And, and this is about oh, okay. a bunch of or uh, two US... Back, actually, sorry, the Canadian. I do apologize. Ooh, there is a difference. Get it right. Um, two Canadian <laughs> backpackers who um, lo- love to party, and they're in Sydney, and they're partying, and then they run out of money. So they're like, "We need some work straight away," and the only available work is this dingy. Pub in the middle of nowhere mm. uh, Run by Hugo Weaving And he's just this sleazy Dirtbag of a human <laughs> um, And yeah It's just It's it's a psychological thriller about Without going into spoilers It's more about like How these women Are sort of being preyed upon By this this sort of Rural community And um, but it's also obviously from so directed by Kitty Green so it's from a feminist perspective yeah. um,
0: that, it's not a documentary it's like a
2: no it's an actual dramatic film, film um Green, so yeah. yeah and really enjoyed it um I think it's 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 I kind of get a bit sick of some Australian films I feel like they f- adhere to a particular mold mm. and it can sometimes be a little bit too predictable but I feel like this sort of It's actually quite funny in parts as well. It 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 sort of towed the line between like it had very niche Aussie sort of humour, but it also had something interesting to say. And it wasn't just like hey, you know, let's cram in every Aussie stereotype we can think about. It's like it's it's more than just some of the local references. It's it's actually telling like a deeply personal story so like i i like that blend of like it's 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 very you it's very australian but very universal in its themes at the same time and i would be very interested to see how this would play in on an international scale
1: yeah so is this this isn't out um, internationally, is it? Uh, I it's believe sort of,
2: it's... It's I, doing the rounds. I believe it's uh, premiering in uh, England at the moment. Okay. Um, I, I I've seen I think s- we get it in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we mistaken. get it in towards the end of November. Um, and I have seen some people on my... Twitter feed posting about it. Who are in the UK? So I think it's slowly making the rounds. Cool. Um, I don't think it's in the US at the moment, but I could be wrong.
1: This kind of it sounds like the kind of film that almost like Parasite esque, where it, it mm. could do it could do with a long, slow rollout, word of mouth. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Take its time to get to maybe a couple of Oscar noms, even.
2: Yeah, uh, I don't think it would. I no. I think definitely maybe actor noms, but okay. um, I I don't think
1: it. Ooh. like an Andrea Riseborough sort of left yeah. field nomination maybe yeah
2: i look i mean it's 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 far from perfect the film but mm-hmm. i know i think it's it, it's just quite a refreshing take on the sort of Aussie or outsider going into the Aussie outback right. um sort of setting um but Bear yeah and kangaroo jack yeah kangaroo <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> what a it has been yeah. <laughs> a
2: while since I've seen that, um, but yeah, no. So, so that was quite fun. Um, but the two films I did actually prepare, um, I saw. I went to the Australian premiere of the new Emerald Fennel film *Saltburn*, mm. which I believe is coming out maybe the next week or something. It's, it's pretty soon, very soon. Yeah,
1: because I remember we've obviously been talking about the next. Ten weeks. Mm. What we're going to watch and how many of those episodes we want to dedicate to new films. Yes, and
2: Saltburn is definitely in the conversation. For it's sure, it's
1: around the corner.
2: Um, and I don't know if you've seen my letterbox review, but I I'm well, quite I s- proud of my letterbox review. It's it it a little um, read. Uh, if you've been craving shots of Barry Keegan's Lily White arse <laughs> then this is the film for you. <laughs> I
1: feel bad because I've liked it,
2: but I didn't remember you wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah This is the new film From Emerald Fennell She did um, Promising, Young, uh, Promising Woman. Young Woman And uh, What else has she done She's probably done something
1: Well like. that was her first Feature debut What was believe. it The
2: directorial debut The yeah, directorial
1: debut. bringing that back too Yeah <laughs> Yes um, It was
0: It was a, a Feature directorial
2: debut I believe so Yes, yes. Yeah. I don't remember much Of that film To be honest I remember it being A bit controversial I think I remember the con- It being more controversial And the And the Sort of divisive discourse I around it, it more than the mm. film itself.
0: I thought um, it was very entertaining. Yeah. And mm. enjoyed it. Yeah. But I haven't given it a rewatch. But I. We've I, done it on the show. Mm. We did do it on the show. Yeah. Um and that had like, some really nice performance. Like mm. Bo Burnham's performance in that was really
2: solid. Yeah, he's pretty solid. Um, but um, yeah, so Saltburn is, is her latest outing. And basically, it's about uh, Barry Keegan. He's a. Um, uh, student at Oxford, but he's a bit of like a... He's a bit of a slimy and weaselly kind of guy. You know how you normally he yeah, just but, normally is. Yeah, yeah, he's just Barry cheap <laughs> Yeah. Um, and he's just the guy struggling to fit into the sort of uni lifestyle, and you know, Oxford. You know, is quite a prestigious university, and everyone. And he's not necessarily from a affluent background either. He's sort of. So just, he's out of place. So he's so. playing another dumb person. Yeah, he yeah he's playing a bit of an outsider, and uh, he befriends Jacob Elordi. Um. Mm. Who? He, oh, man, he's got a good summer. Yeah, he's got a he's good got summer a lot going up. on at the moment. <laughs> but basically, Jacob Elordi is like, oh, you should come to our mansion for the summer and you know spend some time there and you can have a lot of fun, and it's more or less like, without going into too much detail. Mm. I do feel a lot of similarities between this and Parasite, okay. in that it's some an outsider who feels like they're out of place, sort of weaseling their way into this sort of the world of the high society, um, and yeah, it's it is a very horny film, mm. <laughs> um, as I, per your review. It's, uh, <laughs> it is extremely <laughs> horny. There's a lot of nudity. Um, there are many moments in it that make the you know the peach scene from Call Me by Your Name. Yes, oh, how can we forget? It makes the peach scene look tame in comparison. Oh. <laughs> there are many moments where the literally we were in a full house for the screening, <laughs> and all of us were like, "Oh, this is this is gnarly." It's just, just yeah. And it's such an yeah.
0: interesting um, follow-up film because if you think mm. about Promising Young Woman, that that film is obviously. It's
1: a little more reserved. Well, it's also mm, and,
0: it, and it kind of punishes those for their more lustful um, mm. thoughts and mm. sort of that aspect to it. That's 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 one of the. I mean, it, they set the precipice when in that opening scene when she's passed out and you know there's a.
1: we even just the opening shot of like the frosting men yeah. like humping near the camera. And, yeah, and then this one, even just the trailer, it looks so much like more. Wacky and mm. like you said, sort of sexually awoken. And... I,
2: I don't think the. Because this film has a social commentary that it on, you know, criticisms on the wealthy elites. Mm. I don't think the message is as strong as it is in Promising Young Woman. I think okay. it's a little bit muddled. But if you go into this movie, just like this is a really good date night movie or something to see with a group of people because like I feel like not to say you should turn your brain off but like if you if you don't analyze it too much you can have a really fun time with just how wild and how Mm. sort of just absurd everything is like like there is like I kind of wish like that we spent a bit more time with some of the side characters, but like you've got Richard E. Grant in it, and he's just he's just he's having so much fun in it. Mm, yeah. Um, you've got uh, Rosamund Pike; she's just a little bit unhinged in it as well. <laughs> and everyone's just just everyone's just unhinged in this movie. Yeah, um, a lot of nudity, and i I think the the film is carried by how just just. Weasley Barry Keegan is. Mm. He's just so like you yeah. love to hate him and you're just trying to figure out what his motives are and he's just hes just such a gross little human but at the same time y- you just kind of love him and you just want to give him a bit of a hug. <laughs> 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 hes he's
1: got, a, he's got that huggable
2: sort of, because he, he's a lovable
1: loser in a lot of other films yeah, like Banshee's yeah. for example. Well the thing I'm going to ask you mm. before we move on from that one so you kind of describe... I, I used this term for a film recently where I said you almost have to feel it more than think it. Yeah. In the sense that don't think about it too much or you're going to get lost. Is this not something you could potentially apply to a film like Bo is Afraid? Which I think... I recall you found dreadful. Yeah. I
2: I I have very mixed feelings on Bo is Afraid. Okay. Um, I think that... But What's was, the
1: difference really between those two? If you had okay, to break so it down. one of the
2: things I was going to bring up is, and this is, a, this, uh, so Saltburn, I feel like is twenty minutes too long. Okay. Um, I think there's about ten minutes towards the start and around ten minutes towards the third act that you could just cut out entirely, mm. um, and make it more punchier, um, more. I, more punchy is correct, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> or like the pacing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. More, yeah, more um, punch. I, I think it more could... More impactful. I, yeah. I feel yeah. like it could say what it needs to say in... in uh, Slightly less running yeah, time. Yeah, because I think sure. from... It's it's about two hours and seven minutes. I could have gone for a a crisp hour 40. um, and But in saying that, I don't think it outstays its welcome too much. Okay. Bo is Afraid is one that is... Well, Ari- it's three hours long for starters. Ari Aster has been given full creative control, and it can go one of two ways. It can either go the Scorsese route where this person who has years of experience under his belt, who knows so much about pacing and a lot, like, he, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And I feel like Scorsese has earned his, you know, three-and-a-half-hour run times, um, but when you've got these younger filmmakers, like I'm thinking, your Damien Chazelle's with Babylon, that's another film that I think was way too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Bo is Afraid. I, on the one hand, I admire the ambitious swing, and I do. I think we need more films like it. But at the same time, I think it could have said what it needed to say in about two and a half hours. I mm. think it drags on and gets a little bit too absurd for me towards the end um i mean it is an absurd film but it gets really absurd in that last like half hour that i kind of checked out a little bit i was like yeah i was like okay like either you should have brought established this a little bit earlier on so that i had that expectation or cut this out entirely because i feel like this is a completely different film that you're talking about um, I, I
1: kind of do get where you're coming from with the, the younger directors doing the three-hour movies versus the more experienced mm, directors. I, and, like, I mean, we can talk... I know, Zeke, so you'd love the Batman, for example.
0: Yeah. I think Matt Reeves is not... I mean, as, as, as You know, we've... I and think that, he's definitely getting there. Experience I would argue wise. he's not really a new director. He's been sure. around for about... like Yeah. He's been active for at least the last 15, 20 and years. And I... Would-
2: like the length of the Batman, but I'm also talking about like your Chazelles, your Bo, yeah, uh, your Arias have maybe done maybe two or three feature films. Sure, so, but
0: Midsommar's quite long, isn't it?
1: Isn't it? I think it's the original's two and a half, and then there there is a director's cut which I think nearly cracks three hours. Mm. But I actually, don't, I don't really like the director's cut. I, just, I haven't seen the director's cut. I mean, the I mean, I mean, theatrical was way better. I yeah, think uh, like at the and end and of half. the
0: day, if the it's an interesting point. I don't know if I agree with like if a director's, like, not got as much experience. It's, honestly, it's, I think it comes back to, does the story warrant that yes or no? Yes. And then if it doesn't, and like you said, if mm. you can cut 25 minutes out, and I do agree, I think Babylon is way too long. Mm. and it's it, But it's sort of just a bit of a mess, Babylon. Yeah. Like a hot mess sometimes. Yeah. So, And I don't want to be um, thinking
2: about other films when I'm watching <laughs> um, But this kind of comes back to
0: a conversation we were having a couple of weeks ago, about intermissions mm. And do you, where do you stand With that, Jesse, on intermissions Because mm. with Killers of the Flower Moon We had, mm. there was a massive controversy That uh, cinemas were just Imposing an intermission mm. um, Of their own accord But
2: I don't think uh, Filmmakers should be forced To do an intermission mm. And I don't think they should have their film altered For sure mm. In saying that I do want... I do wonder if there is a way that we can come alongside, you know, studios and filmmakers can come together and say, hey, look, we would, you know, you film, and maybe have a guideline to be like, hey, look, you want to release this three, uh, three plus hours film. Um, we would recommend maybe having an intermission, but Mm -hmm. you get to choose where it goes. And I'm because I think when people think intermission, I think they think like just splitting it right down the middle, right? Um, Which is not
1: always the case at all. Exactly.
2: Like I'm, if I'm thinking of a, I know, like a three and a half hour film. What what's to say? Like you have a two, you you watch two hours of it, and maybe there is a really good pause point like at well, there's the definitely in
0: Killers of the, Killers of the Flower Moon there are points there are good points that you could be like yep 10 minute break right there in the middle yeah. like it, it has that because it has that chapter-esque storytelling yeah. mm. it made it quite easy to just draw a line down it may not even be down, like down the middle it would be like basically when you introduce Jesse Plemons to the plot I was just thinking yeah. that
1: exact same scene mm. that's a nice point I mean Put... like to your credit that's like two thirds into the film that's way up the midpoint yeah. But at the, it's like, but that's the most appropriate place mm. to sort of take a breather and, and go back. And it's like I mentioned mm. last week, we like, even Toy Story had an intermission when you go to mm. the, the orchestral like version of where they play it live. Mm-hmm. And that's also right near the end. That's right before the whole Sid escape sequence.
0: Yeah. Earlier DVD versions have split the film. Like, mm. for example, we did Armadeus my DVD of Armadeus has a side A side B. Titanic has a side A mm, yes. side B. Gone with the wind. Yeah, yeah. Um and Titanic's easy when they hit the iceberg it turns into a disaster <laughs> film. That's the middle of the film. <laughs> you go from a romance film to a disaster film. It's yeah. easy to to flip the script. Um yeah. and then in Armadeus it's the moment when his dad dies. I and mean, Mozart's mm. dad
2: dies and then mm. he's you know um
0: Oh, such a good
2: episode. So good. It was That's just a great, a great yeah. film. But. Yeah. I, I do say, though, I think Killers of the Flower Moon, as much as how I really enjoyed it, I think that is the limit for me in terms of runtimes. Any longer, and yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, we
0: were saying we, we were in the same in that last 25, 30 minutes. We were even getting a little restless. We're mm-hmm. kind of like, okay... And that's annoying because I think if you have an intermission in there, you fix that problem Mm. because you come in refreshed Mm -hmm. a little bit more and um, you're not as restless in your seat and Mm. then people around you are getting restless. So that kind of creates a subconscious effect on you. The other yeah, but
1: the that et- goes back to like like you said, Scorsese, a mm. master. He's made so many films that like that could have been intentional. It's mm. like okay, well, at this point in the film, is when I want character. The characters mm. in the film are exhausted. I want the audience to start to feel exhausted here. too. On that
2: note, which I was going to bring up earlier, yes. is like I feel, and because my wife and I have had this conversation, she keeps going, "Why does Scorsese do all these long films?" And I have to defend <laughs> him. Um, and and yeah, and too. the and the one thing I always bring up is well. Scorsese is someone who always picks topics that warrant that lengthy run time. Mm. He picks something where it's like we are going to span a gener- an entire generation's worth of people. Yeah. Um, you know, if he was picking like a very specific moment in time, maybe, you know, three and a half hours is probably not ideal. But if you're doing like an entire, you know, fifty year Odyssey, like mm. it kinda makes sense. Um, versus yeah. *Bow Bul- is a fray, which is like a four days or whatever that was yeah I mean like I know they wanted to make it I know they wanted to make it like an odyssey but it was more or less four days (laughs) (laughs) well I that's it's meant to feel like it so I guess that's where the three hours come from I think like you said I think the
1: experience aspect of it Mm. shouldn't matter materially in terms of like the quality of their direction or the film yeah more so just like what's the purpose of making it three hours long? is because you you want your film to feel like an odyssey so you just make it Mm. three hours and i i think Bo is afraid is an awesome film it's one of my favorite of the year but i still like what was the motivation behind just Mm. making it three hours exactly same with the batman exactly three hours yeah um yeah no i just think that's really interesting i did um see another film (laughs) can i guess which one you want to talk about Yes. Is it Sleep? Yes, it is. (laughs) Tell me about Sleep. Sleep. I Uh, saw you log this, and I was like, this looks very I can't go
2: into too much detail. Now, so basically, it's it's the directorial debut of Jason Yu. Directorial debut! The reason you might not have heard of this person, or maybe you have, um, so this person is actually... Uh, Was mentored by Bong Joon-ho And he Mm. worked as an assistant director on Okja
1: Oh, interesting
2: Um, And so he was writing the script at this time And I think he'd only recently just got married at that time So this film is, without going into too much detail Is about a young expectant wife uh, Who basically uh her husband is a uh, up and coming actor he runs in he works on some commercials and stuff yeah um but her husband all of a sudden uh starts sleepwalking um and it's innocent at first, but then it starts getting to a stage where he's putting himself and other people in harm's way mm. cool. um that's a cool concept <laughs> it's a it's a very tight film it's a very solid Three and a half hours. It's a, it, it's it, it's like ninety minutes, but it's. Yeah, a, I got
1: ninety five on here. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's a very solid debut film. Um, I think it's the perfect length for for the concept. I any any longer, and I probably would have tuned out. Sure. Um, but I think it ended exactly where it needed to end.
0: Is it like a one location film? Like it's just set at the
2: house. Mostly. Um, there's a couple of uh there there's a couple of other scenes but like for the most part it's in the small apartment and it's just uh the guy the wife and um their dog now the two actors in it i'm terrible at pronouncing names i'm I sorry i got jung yu mi yes. and lee San kun yes so jung yu mi um she was one of the character i haven't seen the movie but she's in trained to train to basan um no, and, and that was on
1: Frames the other day, and I couldn't guess the film. <laughs> so, damn you, trained. And the
2: sun. Lee Sun Kyun is the dad in Parasite, not um not the poor the, family, the family, but the wealthy family. Gotcha. So he's the one that. Owns the house and and you know they they With make... the panties in the back of the limo yeah <laughs> um but interestingly so the director was actually in attendance at our uh, screening that we Ooh, went to awesome um and he uh, I, I I think English is his second language so very broken English but he just seemed like such a humble guy He's, mm. he he was so honoured to be there and um he he brought up well firstly it was a very personal film for him because um, he. He wrote the film, and then he showed it to his. Uh, he wrote the script. He showed it to his wife, and his wife's like, "Why did you write this about me?" <laughs> and he's like, "No, I didn't." And then she was just like, "Yeah, no, you did." <laughs> um, so yeah, the, there's that element of it. But apparently, um, I I I think it was Bong that he was talking to, or someone someone like like a producer or someone mm. that he was associated with. And apparently, they asked him for who Who are your dream cast members for for this? And he just threw out two names there, and he's like, "These two people." Yeah. And I'm like, "I'm not going to get these people because these are very high high profile Korean actors. Sure. i no no way I'm landing them. And they are the two people in this. That's film. awesome. <laughs> 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 um. So whilst from from a we can the producer. Uh, <laughs> From an Australian perspective, we look at these two cast members and, I, you know, I recognise Lee Sung-kyo. We've well, seen them in, like, a thing. Yeah, and yeah. so I recognise them, but, like, my parents, for example, probably have no idea who these people are, but uh, mm. supposedly they are huge in Korea. Sure. Um, so just the fact that, like, a debut filmmaker managed to get his dream cast mm. for it, um, it's quite impressive. Um, I, I
1: mean, like, even, like, the Tarantinos of the world, is, like, they're, the, the cast of their first films are insane.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, from an American well, perspective,
2: I mean, yeah. and even from an Australian
0: perspective, mm. I imagine probably someone like you know Shannon Murphy probably felt the same in Baby Teeth. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, yeah. imagine that in your first Ben Mendo in your first first <laughs> film. Old oh, Ben Mendo, you've been
2: talking to the cops, mate. <laughs> Dude, if there's like one, if
0: there's goals in life, it'd be. Do a film with him or Joel Edgington for me. Just 100%. ask if
2: he's been talking to the cops. That's yeah. all. <laughs> that's maybe maybe to no. know. If I make a film with
0: one of those in it, I I will literally that'll be enough. I'd just retire from filmmaking. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Don't i even have
2: to be it. a good film. My, <laughs> the only downside about sleep is I fear that this will not get a cinematic release here. Aww. It's probably going to be something you're going to have to hunt for. Um, yeah, we're
0: going to get a lunar run
2: I don't know It, it seems pretty obscure
1: Because I, I haven't heard of it at all Until I, you logged it
2: Yeah, I I thought it would be something That would play at Perth Festival In like February next year But they've just announced the Perth Festival um, The lineup. Ca- lineup And it's okay. not on there mm. My guess is maybe it might show at Rev In middle of next year That'd be cool But I can see this being something That will be Dumped on like video on demand, and maybe Madman might do a DVD mm. or Blu ray of it, and you might have to get it shipped in from somewhere.
0: Well, let's hope it gets an SBS on demand
3: run. Yeah.
2: Hopefully. Is,
1: is Bond in the credits anywhere for anything? Uh,
2: I, sp- special I, thank mem- you. He's probably in the special thank okay, you. Okay, we have salad. a chance, guys. <laughs> <Maybe>. Madman, <laughs> do us a favor here. Da- I mean, the other thing as well is it did premiere at. Uh, can as part of I know Can have got like a heap of different streams that they do and look I'm I'm am out of the loop with all the can categories that in sure. selection out of selection. They had one thing that was like a hot, like, you know, interesting debuts to watch kind of thing, category, whatever you want to call yeah. it. They probably have a far <laughs> more t- fancy. I'm trying
1: to figure the worst like Category name. Yeah. For yeah. A film some Festival? something French. <laughs> least um, shit film. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: I think it yeah, it, it it did it did have a screening there, so okay. hopefully it gets some sort of a word of mouth and hopefully Bong does some promotion for it and if know, his
1: translator can make a film, then uh, then we can get Sleep distributed. I yeah, yeah. so if
2: you can find it, would highly recommend Sleep. Awesome. And in typical Korean thriller fashion, it gets really bonkers towards the last, like, 30 Excellent. minutes. It just gets to a stage where you're like... Because obviously, like they're trying to um they're trying to find methods to cure his sleepwalking sure. yep. and they start off with the more conventional methods they go to the doctor they try all these tablets they try all these remedies and all that and then they go down to real like unconventional methods and they almost delve into a bit of mysticism and sort of eastern Eastern medicines and some very um, weird and kooky avenues. Um, and this you know, kind of reminds me a little. I'm trying to find. I think it's called Swallow. It very it kind I, of reminds me of that a little bit. It does. Now that you mentioned, that's a film I have not thought about in a while, but it Neither. very <laughs> much reminds me of Swallow. Um, Swallow and yeah, it feels it, it feels like a parasite light. Um, so, I'm just looking at this, it has
1: a great. Oh, it's a Moby. Swallow. I think I watched it on Stan way back. Yeah, excellent. Mm. But I just, I just remember, like there's that eerie feeling that uncomfortable which yeah. is just like swallowing the objects. And... Mm. Interesting.
0: But it pays, that's why you go to these festivals to get access to these films that may be hard to get your hands mm. get your hands on at yeah. later dates due to you know yeah. distribution and all that.
1: I want I just want to get one more thing out of you, Jesse. Yes. Okay. I was gonna
0: ask you about
2: the Taylor Swift errors tour. I don't have any thoughts on it. Um my Fair. wife my other than my wife and I made a bargain um, I wanted to go see Killers of the Flower Moon in IMAX and she was like I don't want to sit through three and a half hours and I said okay I'll go see Taylor Swift in IMAX and we said deal so we had a day where we saw um, I see you logged on the same day this we saw Swift the eras Killers. tour first then we had a good 40 minute break we went and grabbed dinner and then we went back in and sat, strapped ourselves in for a uh, Martin Scorsese epic. And by it. that point, it went from the whole day, it was like 4pm to like 11.45. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a, a that's long day. Experience. That's Barbenheimer part two. Yeah, it was my Barbenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> no, the real one I wanted to ask you about, and I promise this is the last one i ask you sure. before I move from the festival. You gave Bottoms a two-star review.
2: Yes, and the reason why is because uh, I feel like it is a film that it, it is a worse version of Booksmart. Okay, and that it's it's trying to do like a raunchy high school com- like sex comedy, um, and it's it it's trying to be sur- it it's trying to have its cake and eat it too. Okay, in that where I think Booksmart did. Was good in that it was funny and it was a little bit surreal in parts, but for th- and what well, absurd uh, is the word I'm looking there's for. There's
1: the scene where they're
2: both sort of high and yeah, the dolls, but come to play. Yep. yeah, it's, there's that it's yeah. grounded in a very uh, sort of human story and one that we a lot of teenagers and young adults can identify with. Mm. I feel like with Bottoms, they're trying to be sincere but they're not quite Sincere but also They're trying to be absurd And over the top but they don't quite Go as far as what they Could have done Okay, and it just leaves For a very just middling experience for me I'm Identity just, crisis Yeah or? like I just wish it either stuck To one or the other like I wish it was Either more sincere and Had some funny elements or just Kind of absurd Because like there are moments in it where it's like a, a side character does an absurd... Like, in a better film, a side character would do an absurd thing and, like, there'd be, like, a punchline towards the end. Sure. But there are lots of moments where a character does something really absurd and then it's just never addressed mm. again. And you're like... Bizarre for the sake of you're bizarre. You're like, why did this... Why did we need this? Are you just being silly for the sake of being silly? Like, and I, and I think what it comes down to is... The two lead actors are mostly doing improv, and I don't mm. know if it's their first time doing improv because it oh, just I see. it when you watch something like an Adam McKay Will Ferrell comedy where they're all doing improv. They're doing. They've been doing that for years, and mm-hmm. you know they've kind. Of, they develop these systems. I'm not trying to compare. And if what, you
0: look at the outtakes, there's like a lot of things that they do it a lot. Yeah, they,
1: so they, many alternative sh- line deliveries. And mm-hmm. yeah, but
2: yeah. I feel like with this film, it feels like it was their first time doing improv because there are a lot of jokes in here. Where I'm just like, oh, that probably wasn't the best take. Like you, I oh, know. I see. You know.
1: We did twenty takes, and that was the best one. Yeah, like
2: you lay is the burns breast, w- Yeah, like you laugh and there are some <laughs> chuckle worthy <laughs> moments, but there's some but I was just like, okay, that wasn't really funny. And look, I love okay. a good I love a good raunchy comedy, don't get me wrong. I wish it was more absurd or I wish it was more sincere. I just think that it half asses both of the yeah, Sorry for yeah, the pun. Yeah. Half asses. Ah. <laughs> I think it just <laughs> half asses both and it doesn't bottomed it. It doesn't fully commit to Either thing. Look, I'm sure yeah. it's a fun movie to watch if you're stoned. And look, we were in we were in a crowded theater full of like, like a lot of women and a lot of uh, the LGBT community, and there were a lot of people. Well, That's what I was
1: going to ask because like you got shiver, baby. Yeah, there's that aspect. There's like the Jewish aspect as well. Mm. So this film kind of on the same path representation. Not...
2: Yeah, I think if anything, it's it tries uh, it's obviously tries to normalise how like, more diverse of a culture we become in terms mm. of people in same-sex relationships and, yep. um, you know, gender and stuff. So um, I'm not qualified to talk about any of that stuff, but so I won't <laughs> go into any of that. But, uh, yeah, I think it, it's... I guess it's a, it's refreshing in that aspect because, like, when you compare it to, like, the sex comedies from, like, 20 years ago, it's very... Boy, girl, very heterosexual, very, you know, the jocks and the nerds and (laughs) the women, the women are all one particular thing. Whereas this is sort of a bit more of a melting pot of like, sure,
1: but but like you said, book smart exists. Yeah. We have Booksmart now, so there's a new standard for these kinds I feel of comedies. Like, yeah. Yeah, I
2: feel like Booksmart is a better attempt at what it was trying to do. Gotcha. But, yeah. Anyways, okay. I've been make... up way too much. No, 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 no. <laughs> I really wanted to, because I've been looking forward to Bombs for a long
1: time, a lot of yeah. hype around it, so I was a little surprised to see it, but I, I actually completely get where you're coming from Yeah. yeah. Um, Look,
2: if you enjoy it, that's great. I just I, I, just wanted more from it, and I just think it sort of half ices it. So. Fair enough, yeah. So what did you catch uh, in the last week, Jake?
1: So I watched a few things. I'm going to start with one, and I know you feel like you've been talking a lot, Jesse. I'm going to get you to talk a little bit more as well. I'll start the conversation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I caught that you did watch The Age of Innocence the other day. Yes. And you were saying off the show you got the Criterion mm-hmm. copy of it. I finally busted out my Criterion, which has been sitting on that uh-huh. bookshelf for a long time, and uh, I finally watched it last night. Nice. And uh, I thought it was great. Yeah. It's a great little, like... I, I liked. I was watching the bonus features. He calls it a costume drama. Mm. Very reluctantly, It takes him a while to yeah. use that <laughs> term. He doesn't like it very much, but feels, feels like it, a like a dirty euphemism. It, a it, Costume it, drama. <laughs> it it kind of doesn't. It's a little appropriate for this film. Yeah, in, in that sense, that it's all about. Again, Scorsese, or sorry, Scorseses. Yes. Yeah, we can listen to Thelma Marty. On this one. Marty, yeah, listen it. to Thelma, that's um, how you pronounce it. He's hard on for, you know, New York is mm. still on <laughs> yeah. for this film, but like late, uh, I guess 19th century or late 1800s, mm. and this idea of like this very highly sophisticated group, and then you have Daniel Day-Lewis's character in there who's, uh, so, I guess, slowly realising that, what his desire and his yeah. affection for the cousin of the girl he's actually engaged to mm. um, threatens his status and threatens uh, the idea of normalcy and what's appropriate, yeah, um, for sure. in this age and this time and the age mm. of innocence as they
2: call it. It kind of reminds me a little bit of um, a bit of a weird comparison, uh, but the worst person in the world.
3: Ah, oh. how there's
2: that kind of two
3: people yeah. who.
2: Are clearly in love with each other, but they are in love with each other at the wrong time in the wrong situation. Yeah. Like if the if that mo- if Age of Innocence was set in the present, he would have easily uh, Daniel Day Lewis would have easily have just gone with Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, yeah. and and would have lived a happy life, and and the, we wouldn't have the film. But mm. it kind of has that sort of like this this. All this tragedy of like, oh damn! Like I wish these people had met each other, you know, six months earlier sure. or something. Yeah. Th- then they wouldn't have this predicament, and then they would have been able to have lived a happier life. And it's it, it's almost like this this regret of like this what could have been. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of saw similarities Similarities, that. Yeah, that. that's yeah. a
1: really... And especially the, the such drastically different, I guess, timelines. If you mm. want very contemporary, this is very not contemporary. Um, and I, I thought it was very interesting. He was very experimental in this, like the vintage mm. effects he would do when they're on the balcony. When yeah. he walks into the flower shop, there's a spotlight effect, the spotlight's tracking, which yeah. was very subtle and I really enjoyed that and then the, the it's very the good to colors yes like well. the solid oh, yeah. like the red and the yellow yeah. that was all really interesting mm. um i think that was black <laughs> narcissist is uh, he said that was like his inspiration mm. for doing those solid color transitions yeah so yeah there's a lot of weird experiments mm. in here with the camera and and yeah i remember thinking I'm like oh this is like his most sophisticated mm. film and, and i'm like oh it, not only cuz of the costumes and the settings like the operas and the ballrooms but mm. And I was going to say his camera work. I'm like his camera work is always sophisticated. It's, always, been, it's yeah. always moving around and doing crazy
2: things. Yeah. It's very phonetic. so. And I don't yeah, know if, it's such a different film for him. I don't know if it's just the fact that it's the Criterion, but or the fact that it's, you know, the got, status it has or? or 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 got all these, you know, exorbitant sets and all that, but I found the colors to just pop so much. Mm. I I just love the deep reds. And like the browns and the whites. Look at me go with them. I co- know <laughs> the cinematography. I don't right. know. <laughs> I never. I've never thought so much about color than I have in *Age of Innocence*. Interesting. I was yeah. just. I was less focused on the actual story itself. and more just like that's a really nice shade of red.
1: <laughs> that's probably one of of Scorsese's only films he shot in a time period. I guess before when it's not it's all a lot of natural lighting or candlelit yeah. lighting. And like we talked about that in Armadeus as well, like the way mm-hmm. they would light scenes in that film. Um, yeah. No, I, I thought it was very interesting and very, the, the, I was going to say violent, but in a very different way. We're so used to the crime violence and gangster mm. violence and, you know, the violence and killers of the flower moon. But in this one, it's all very reserved and like in a turmoil. And yeah, it's just such a different film for him, which I love. And that it's sort of buried in his filmography mm. and the, early to mid 90s this
2: this is probably like one of his i mean putting aside hugo probably one of and i mean killers of the flower moon is not violent but it's a lot of implied violence obviously Mm. this yeah i in some ways i actually found age of innocence to be probably one of his most up or I want to say positive films. <laughs> A lot of his films are about horrible people. Yeah. And, they, and this is one film I was like... They're just I conflicted don't... people. Yeah, they're conflicted people. They're not horrible people. Yeah. <laughs> I generally... The, the
1: Daniel Day-Lewis, by the end of the film, I don't think you're meant to know how to feel about... Yeah. ...what plays out. Yeah. And, like, the life that he lives, is it the life that he deserved or needed mm. or wanted or... Like it, uh, it's beautifully vague in that
2: way. Also, how does Daniel Day Lewis look better now than what <laughs> the aging the makeup version. in that film <laughs> is insane? They they put all these prosthetics on and they just make him look like. I know, he looks like almost Clint Eastwood kind of old, yeah. you know, just yeah. really old real wrinkly. And yeah. then you look at him now, he's a trendy guy, he's going to get his plums at the shops, <laughs> he's got his little beanie on and his little, you know, denim jacket, and he's just living a chill, he, he's enjoying but that, retirement. But that, hey,
1: look, that's Daniel Day-Lewis, and then there's Newland, and he's a different character. He ages differently. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my BS artsy answer. Yes. An- answered. yes. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that. What else did you catch? I caught two other films. The other one, let's let's work in... in oh, I'm going all over the place chronologically, but that's okay. Let's go with 1975. This is the first time I've ever seen it. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Ooh. Ooh. Now, the reason for this... I'm like, we've got 10 episodes left on the podcast. There's also a poster in my bedroom door that I haven't... I've had, like, jackets and belts and stuff over it, so I haven't looked at it in years. And it, it turns out I have 10 films left on that poster. I was like, all right, well, let's do it. One one a week. And Rocky Horror Picture Show felt appropriate because of the musical aspect compared to Hot Potato, so...
0: We just had Halloween, too. That's
1: true yeah, that's yeah, the Spookiest Halloweens, time of the year That's it The spooky times Tax time And um the...
2: <laughs> Bit of a science <laughs> Some of us pay our tax in July <laughs> oh, God.
3: Sorry I... no, Derailing your podcast no, no I love it, it. I love it
1: <laughs> So what do you think? Yes, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was just like a hornier version of The Cat in the Hat in many ways. Which,
0: <laughs> if that makes sense. It's uh, I mean it's a remarkable thing as as someone who loves rocky horror. Yeah. I've seen the musical like the movie too. Mm. Really like the movie, but it's such an interesting um cultural phenomenon that that film created for, you know, uh, representation, celebration of, like, mm. sexualisation, LGBTQA+. Like, that was massive, that film, for that movement.
1: Yeah, it definitely mm. feels ahead of its time in that way.
0: Um, and it's such a, a kitschy film because it, it feels like a real indie film when you watch it. It's sort of like when you watch Easy Rider. It feels like mm. there wasn't a lot of people working on it, but it's kind of brilliant in that sense.
1: Yeah, well, I I mean, I went in, like, authentically blind. I was like, I legitimately don't know what this film's about or, like, its setting, or the characters and anything like that. So I was surprised at how sort of coherent it was thematically. Like, here are these, like, like, very preppy teens in love and, you know, they've dressed very conservatively and have very conservative ideas of love. And they, you know, they pop a tire and go into this sort of haunted... a a castle, I guess like a gothic castle. It's not not really Mm -hmm. a mansion. And, um, it's like a sexual awakening in that sense. And, and the the, the wacky characters they meet, but in terms of the values they hold and, and there's er errors that are uncomfortable. It's like, okay, they're technically cheating on each other in the sea. And I don't (laughs) know if I like that very much, but that's part of the story. It's part of the, their arcs. And I just thought it was very interesting. They went down that route. Like, like Mm. you said, it's at the time, Huge in the yeah. in the and Tim Curry's, holy crap, he's incredible. So fun, he's yeah. Incredible.
3: Did it
0: make you want to dance?
1: Uh, I was I was bopping yeah. during the time warp. <laughs> I Was bopping a bit. <laughs> and a lot of bangers too
0: in that. Um, it's probably one of the better. I was thinking about this the other day because I was listening to like. Lay Miserables, but I listened to the, the Broadway show. Because oh, okay. I hate the movie, that Tom Hooper movie. Oh, yeah. It's long and boring. You don't
2: like Russell Crowe singing? No. I mean, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand in
0: 20. Uh, whenever that film came out, 2013 or 2014, I don't understand in the modern age how you can get actors who can't sing in your main roles. I just. I don't. It's like Gerard Butler being the phantom in Phantom of the Opera. Mm. It's like just get someone who can sing like yeah. that's it's a musical you got
2: hugh jackman to... <laughs> why just 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 get one of his mates or something i'm like, sure he knows just someone ask around <laughs> get captain um, feather sword yeah <laughs> <laughs> whereas
0: the beauty of films like that is a lot of them were just singers like that was what they yeah. were brought in for they weren't singers brought in first. they're not talent like sure. in that sense no one went to that film to see susan sarandon like like B- until after the film that's when she got like, sure yeah, way yeah. more attention and stuff it's and... iconic red lips red
3: lips yeah it's a, a great a it's a fun film
0: yes. yeah. it's more than anything I think that's and it makes you want to dance
1: yeah I'm I'm. De- this is like if we keep referring it to our blacklist this is one I'm very happy to finally tick off
2: yeah um, yeah I, just, I, I, really I actually it. haven't seen it
3: Oh
2: <laughs> But I will add it to my watch list on Letterboxd and I will get around to it soon. <laughs> there you go, you
1: gotta do it. Yeah, I was thinking of doing the hundred film posts like making the letterbox list of it. I was like, I don't have time for this. I'm gonna use the coin to scrub off the yeah. the thing. So um yeah, so over the next nine weeks, stay tuned. I'll be tackling random, you know, films that I really should have seen but just haven't yet. It's know. all happening. And I'll try and tie it to the film of the week as best as I can. Now finally one other film I saw, this is the most recent one of the lot. I watched Dumb Money, and um, which, of course, is the dramatized version of the whole GameStop stock situation in January 2021. There's the Eat the Rich doco, on, uh, doco series on Netflix, mm. which I think was probably more informative. I think if you want to learn a little bit more about how it all played out, that's the one. This one is sort of more like a little anthology of stories of... of I don't know how many of the characters are fictional outside of uh, Paul Dano's character, who's the one that uh, start. It has the YouTube streams that sort of alerts people, inspires people to start getting into that stock a few months earlier. I'm pretty sure the rest of it's all like fictional. Here's like the nurse, the struggling single mother nurse, and here's like the door dash driver, and here's like you know the two college kids in love who, you know, their dad lost mm. their business because of um yeah. They're, you know, they're more archetypes and, to represent exactly the, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like Margot Robbie and um. God, what's the Fox one? The, um, oh, how am I forgetting this? Oh, um... The Jay Roach film, um, Bombshell. Bombshell. Oh, yeah. Bombshell. Oh, yeah. It's, it's kind of like, I, I, this is what it feels like watching, is they're all sort of amalgamations of different kinds mm. of characters uh, that get in and sort of represent the wider group that as, as uh, they start doing the short squeeze and, and all these billionaires are losing lots of money very quickly because mm. all of a sudden GameStop is valued 500 times what it, <laughs> it should be. <laughs> And what I love is that so much of the film's runtime is dedicated to that portion of time, right in the middle of January, where, oh my God, if we if we cash out now, we're gonna make like hundreds of thousands of dollars, or in some cases millions of dollars, and we're all just people with kids trying to raise them and, and you know paying a mortgage and all of that. Like these yeah. are people who desperately need this money, mm. and it's all about like this this higher idea of we're screwing you know the big guys. We're doing mm. a, we're taking a stance here. And I love that they spend so much time showing that aspect of it of what is the moral reason that these characters who have every reason to cash out but refuse to cash out so I just I thought it really played in that way it wasn't anything overly special or interesting I in still the big short is mm. a much more like phonetically created film it's much more exciting and informative of you know the oh eight crash and whatnot there's a little bit of that Zola sort of contemporary mm. visual flair to it. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, Web 2.0 and the internet and... I mean, to be fair, uh, the Robin Hood does have the little confetti thing when you buy stock on there. So yeah. they sort of take that little two-second mm. dopamine rush and visualise it for the whole film. I mean, Eat the Rich does that too, though. Yeah. yeah. I think
0: maybe it comes back to because of the content and, like you said, the story is kind of... You know, there's not too much going on there. That visual yeah. stimulation either fits with the motif but also... Yeah, it makes the film a bit more engaging and have that sense of flow. Blame TikTok. <laughs> <Yeah>. I <think>.
1: saw <laughs> <all a> TikTok, <laughs> spot. It's kind of funny because, like, you would think this is the reason they do this: is visual flares to mm. get people interested in what would otherwise be very boring numbers, numbers. And now we, as you know, film connoisseurs, we don't think of stock films other than crazy drug addict, hyperactive films, Big Short and Wolf of Wall Street. When we think of stock, we think of, like, the most exciting films you can think of. Mm, So it's kind of like this weird twist where they they almost... It works too well Yeah, trying to make stocks interesting and exciting. They're they're all like that now. It's quite funny, but... I enjoyed it. We need
2: to go back to all serious films <laughs> about stock. Go
0: back to Wall Street, the city that never sleeps. <laughs> it? Make it
2: three hours long. A bunch of men in suits it's just going, just, mm, yes. Mm, it's it's just, mm, just, Michael stonks. Douglas. It's just Michael Douglas <laughs> spanking Charlie Sheen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that.
1: Yeah. Oh, fair enough. I will say I don't know if this was a cinema. But this is the first time I went to the lunar, the the Windsor Lunar. Yeah, which was nice oh, okay. facilities. I don't know if it was just the mix there, mm. or if it's the actual film mix. This is the way it is, but you know, I got Megan D. Stallion singing about a wet ass pussy. <laughs> I can't even hear the dialogue from the scene, and that's it's the cinema just...
2: all the old people go. To. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
1: god, don't get me started. I I was running late. I was like, got to get there. I get there like with one minute to spare. I'm like, awesome. I don't know where to park. I'm just gonna park here. I hope i don't to find awesome. Run for the stairs. Oh, there's no one here. It's just one guy at the counter and two old ladies. They took 16 minutes oh, no. to order their tickets. Oh, yes. <laughs> you kidding me? Oh, they drove me nuts, guys. Oh, could mate. have smacked them. But and you know what? The ticket they "Well, it wasn't even for a movie
0: that oh, day." Oh my god, they will
1: buying for like later in the week. I'm like, you guys. Oh and... no. Anyway, that's my review that's of dumb what money. the websites <laughs> for. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, well, god. I don't think we
0: have really any career updates. I mean, nope. we're no. on this run. No. Um think we might have stuff to talk about in a couple of weeks probably yeah
1: it's exciting uh, think are I d- happening i don't remember how much we talked about it last week but th- there are some fun things going on in anticipation of our final episode Ooh, yeah in several weeks from now so uh stay yeah tuned we're, for that. we're
0: working away at it uh, i think and developing those things so um yeah stick around just
1: make sure jesse you sign the um nda Oh yeah! Don't, re- <laughs> don't reveal our secrets. Yeah, don't yeah. leak. No leaking. <laughs> no leaks.
2: Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're making a snuff film on me. That's correct. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Well, with
0: that being said, it's time for us to move into our film of the week. Jake, what are we watching?
1: This week in the show, gentlemen, we're watching Hot Potato: The Story of the Wiggles. Go, Jake! Sing the song. Hot potato, hot potato. Do do do. Hot
3: potato, hot potato. Do do do. <laughs>
0: Potato is a backstage pass to the global phenomenon, The Wiggles. The documentary chronicles the story of three preschool teachers, Anthony, Murray, and Greg, and their friend Jeff, as they triumph over the odds to become one of the most successful children's acts of all time.
1: I I know I said it last week, but I still love the And their friend Jeff in that write up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hot Wake potato. Up, hot potato, hot potato.
0: It's the um I was trying to think It's the uh, Will you be my um, Neighbour Docker of the year It's another childhood
2: yeah. Um, Oh yeah I have a question For all of you Which might be a good uh, Intro question Okay um, What was your favourite Wiggle Growing up as a child And has that changed
0: Ooh Did we all go see The Wiggles
1: I've uh, se- I've I definitely have tickets from an old Wiggles. I've, I've definitely seen I've them seen point.
2: them at least once and I have a couple of VHSs somewhere Yeah <laughs> yeah I
0: yeah I think well that's that's good that we've all went into a live performance I remember that Um I would say my favorite would have probably been Anthony or Jeff I would have said mm. Um Yeah probably Jeff Just like I like purple Yeah
1: I would Ugh, that's tough I feel like the Teletubbies are easier to identify. (laughs) Who your favourite is? (laughs) They kind of got the same colour scheme as well, a little bit. Um, I would say it was either Jeff or Greg. Interesting. Probably Greg, if I have to be honest.
2: I was so as a kid, I was also Greg. I'm not a fan of the colour yellow, but I think because he was the lead and I really liked his voice. Yeah, he's got a great voice. He was my favourite growing up. But if you ask me now, I think my favourite's actually Murray.
1: Interesting.
2: Because, and I'll tell you why, I feel like that man is... Wants to be the fifth member of the Beatles. <laughs> the... I, I vibe that. He's got a real... Especially now with the long hair. He's like
0: this hippie vibe. Like, he was... Yeah. Very clearly looked more like he was either that or he was in the Rolling Stones or something yeah, like he, that.
2: Like, half of this documentary is him just been like, Yeah, so uh, we made we made a song about hot <laughs> potato. <laughs> we were going down Liverpool pool. We were going down the the...
1: Abbey Road. Yeah, I was gonna say that they made it that's like a big thing in the yeah. the promotion of this is them walking down the road the crosswalk. And that that's like in the credits <laughs> in the film. They didn't really But it's funny, they yeah. don't they
0: don't um do the Beatles thing until Sam starts. Like they do the the music video um, for the Samsung, and yes. it's like the be they're imitating the Beagle, the Beatles, the Beagles, the Beagles, <laughs> the Beagles. I love dogs. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I think you know. Look, we, we did have like a long first half of the show, but the second yeah. half of the show, I mean, with this particular film, it's it's a nice biographical film about the mm. Wiggles, mm. and obviously, what I really like is it's it's throughout the documentary, it's intercut with um like you said this live performance it has that it's like the the last waltz mm. um <laughs> in its storytelling in yeah. that way I'll, it's probably a little bit more formalized but i feel like the last and we come back to that was our last golden Choc top winner mm-hmm. um was the last waltz and why scorsese i reckon that has become the formula for the musical biopic mm. in terms of structure and story because of what he did with the last waltz right. because integrating a live performance with um, pieces to camera backstage and having all of that sort of stuff because mm. i've seen that tons and this is definitely emulating that formula yeah um,
1: for me it's like I feel like this doc and a lot of like music concert films and docos and whatnot kind of, they all have the same thing they need mm. to desperately try and avoid, which is don't just be a Wikipedia page. Like don't just list out chronologically this happens and this happens and this happens. And then this is where they are today. And I feel like hot potato, as much as I really enjoyed it, I feel like it was constantly trying to get away from that identity. And I think the fact that they have the concert to cut back to, which Mm. is for two reasons is is so interesting that it's very contemporary and that the one that they're, they're so much older and you can mm. see the way they're cut from that footage to them, them like decades younger it's just really stark sort of uh inner cut they do there but the other one is the audience yeah all of the audience they're all our age they're all in their 20s or 30s they're wearing the, the skivvies well, mm.
0: that, that particular tour that they're filming is the like the 18 plus yes. tour yeah mm. Um, but they're
1: so into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a legitimate rock concert for adults. Yeah. And they're so into it. And I thought that was fascinating. And the way they're cut between that and like the home footage from the early '80s mm. of like little children dancing to the television. I'm telling you, mm. I have that exact footage of me <laughs> with the guitar <laughs> dancing yeah. to the wiggle. The exact like. Quality of film as well, or it was digital, it would have been mm. digital, but like it, I'm annoyed that Prime didn't steal that footage from my mum's bedroom, it's and yeah. edit it into the documentary. Right. And <laughs> it's quite
0: amazing because you know, Jess, you brought this up in the just when we started this conversation, owning VHSs and stuff, and some of the archival footage is definitely from their like VHS specials. And you're like, I watched that growing up, and it, mm. it becomes this weird sort of you. Like you said, mm. you know, you, you're you at this Q&A panel and they're just there and it's kind of stifling because, mm. you know, and they even say it in the doco, that th- these people are integral to particularly this f- original 4 lineup. Mm. Their kind of prime career is when we're children. Yeah. Like, mm. we're all born 97 Vern and 98. 97. 97. we're yeah. nine, so all 97. 97 babies. So, yeah. we're all five or six when they're kind of hitting their their peak and they're starting to move into that international audience Mm. so even the, the nostalgia of, like, some of that footage with the old ABC Kids logo. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. with the With the like, carrot. <laughs> the carrot. And it's like... <laughs> you that see cheeky that? bugger. It's just like, <laughs> my God, like, I remember... Or even, like, some of the archival footage. Like, they, I remember the special they did with Steve Irwin and, mm, like, Steve showing right. that. And he's, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. See, yeah, um... Well, uh, one of the things I was going to bring up earlier was um the fact that so Sally Aitken was in attendance at the uh, oh, awesome. at, at the premiere as well, and she was talking about how they just had hours and hours of footage to go through they had obviously they had the um like you know the t v shows and the movie that they did, but then yep. they also had what a banger. um the recordings from the old school concerts that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, they had recordings from the new OG tour concerts that they did they got fan they sent in fan footage um and even to the extent of like uh so Jeff um from the OG Wiggles he uh he he was keen into his uh photography mm-hmm. um and so he just had albums and albums of just film photos that he took over the years and he just gave it to Sally Aitken and she was just like oh my gosh we just got too much <laughs> um and she even said like she struggled to end and maybe this is something we could touch on a little bit later sure. But like she struggled to find a, an ending for this because she almost felt like we could have just kept going with it mm. because of how much of a legacy they have and with the new generation and everything, she was like, where do I end this? Like, we could just keep going on and we could just keep, we could record this right now and having Mm. the premiere kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And we could have released this in six months' time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh
0: (laughs) But I think that that definitely the way it ends, it obviously has that sort of, open um aspect because yeah they, they're still functioning they're still going and they're you know they're doing like they've done those 18 plus tours and and they're getting number one in the triple j hottest 100 <sighs> mm. which it's, it's
1: weird how emotional i got watching that clip mm-hmm. and i remember like again this kind of goes into the oh they're just like kind of going through all the beats and then you get to the triple j and that's something we're all very it wasn't there wasn't that long ago that that happened and we we'll all very no. when they did the elephant cover mm. that was like we were all talking about that yeah <laughs> it was still relevant to us and for me it was like that was like a weird moment of like it hit me like wow these people these people have been in my life for as long as i can remember and mm.
0: like, we all feel that way the big thing i got from the documentary that i will say is to its credit is it really highlights the um Obviously, the, the, the core, the original four, but it actually highlights kind of the importance of the ones that went and replaced them, mm. because... And it's weird for us, because, like I said, we're in that period where they're at their hottest in priority. I remember the day Greg was like, I'm taking a step back because yeah. of my health, because that's in 2005 or six. so mm-hmm. it's like we're only eight at the time, eight, nine, so it's like we're still... Probably not watching the Wiggles as much, but it, it's been around in mm. ourselves. But so we never got to see all these newer ones come through because mm-hmm. obviously we're getting too old to watch the Wiggles, and it's not cool when you're a teenager <laughs> to watch the Wiggles. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Um. On that note, yeah, I uh, I think the the thing that really sort of was highlighted to me by the doco was I feel like the Wiggles have been blessed with this sort of almost unique gift of immortality. Um, mm. in that, like, so not many musicians really get to experience this, in that, like, you know, they're essentially able to outlast their audience and even the the band members themselves. Like, yeah. their, their target demographic is primary school-age kids. And so what happens when those primary school-age kids grow up, then all of a sudden your new target demographic is the next generation of primary school kids. Mm. So it's like... Yeah, if it were any other band who decided, you know, if if Greg steps away, everyone would be up in arms, and then and you know, no it, matter
0: what preceding albums came out, oh, it's never as good as the original it's, lineup. Right,
2: you're gonna run into the 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 Freddie Mercury Queen versus Queen with Adam Lambert. It's right. never going to be the same. I know, no disrespect to Adam Lambert, but you know, he he's not going to be Freddie Mercury. Mm. But with this, it's like. When you get that new generation come through, it's almost like a, almost like a reset. It's like a the it's, it's the... got more in line with superheroes
1: than bands.
2: More, yeah. Like, we... we
1: have a better understanding expectation of superheroes, kind of just churning through mm. actors and and people portraying them.
0: It's uh, yeah. I would even uh, say that you know, and it's just as well they come from a teaching background. But it's like being a teacher at a school; you have mm. an impact to that generation. But yeah. the reality is, as, as soon as you're gone. The next lot of kids come through, like mm. there is always going to be new kids. Yeah. So mm. your impact is only while you are there and mm. you are performing the job, mm. and then it's like mm. it, it's seamless. Then yeah. it's just they've they've become this constant way, and but it, the identity of the Wiggles lives on forever. Lives on forever, yeah. and that was really I thought that was one of the more interesting aspects of mm. it. it. Was I because I didn't really know. I remember the the day he stepped away, and then. He was replaced, but then there was a couple more years and then Emma came in Mm -hmm. and they were like following those newer ones. That was quite interesting because obviously at that point you're so far removed from it. None Mm -hmm. of us have kids, so none of Mm -hmm. us are are attached to it, but it's one day we'll have kids Mm. and will probably play the Wiggles to them. Yeah, and it won't be the Wiggles that... Our car incarnation of the Wiggles, but it will be a completely different incarnation. Mm, that For will sure. appeal
2: to them, yeah. And, like, I think as well, they... What they bring up in the doco about how, like, Anthony says that need to diversify. I mean, it's more than, like, you know... I love the original Wiggles, but it's four or well, three white men and, 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 and an Asian man. Mm. And so, like, I think it's very interesting how they... Using that replacement as a way to uh, understanding that their audience address things that in the nineties they weren't thinking about. Yeah, so much. something that wasn't really yeah wasn't talked about at all, and now it's like okay, so now we're gonna have someone in here that you know, it, like
0: yeah, there was a lot, obviously now they've got to a point where they've got a very diverse yeah. Um, racial and gender profile mm-hmm. as as the wiggles and that's that is a good thing what I, I did find funny and i made this joke to you i think off the air oh, but yeah. i said that it's three teachers and jeff and i was like and they met in um training for preschool and i yeah. went uh in the 90s i was like there was probably only about four male teachers and then, sure enough, <laughs> in the doc in the doco oh, there was only five in our cohort yeah. and, uh, and yeah. 85 women. And I was like, yeah, see, that's yeah. probably where that's come from. Because yeah, that's, like... that's a really good point. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I, Yeah, it's crazy. But mm. what I actually liked was how intellectual they were. They were mm. talking yes. a lot about the child yeah. psychology. Yeah. Um, mm. And they were very, particularly Anthony and Greg, were mm. very astute on their sort of fascination with how... Mm. the child's mind worked and they talk they delve into that in that early aspect of the um the documentary and they actually talk about it more from a from a thesis point of view from Mm. an from an actual pedagogical and education framework rather than hey we're just wanted to make a children's band, like, yeah. and and make fun mm-hmm. music. It was way more, like, in the... Earlier, when they're trying to get that mm. first record deal, they're going to the ABC and they're appealing yeah. to the educational aspects, those yeah. rationales, mm. rather than, um, like, hey, we just want to make some, like, repetitive songs that yeah. will sell make money it's a different way to start a music like that's what makes it like
2: they said they were educators first or then musicians yeah yeah. and i think like as well um what i found quite interesting which is something that really i didn't really think about whenever i'd think of the wiggles is Mm. is the documentary has that sort of element of um almost a skepticism to them being like, oh, what's your ulterior motive, kind of thing, like. Um, okay. Yeah. And like, I know, I I feel like the world these days has almost a skepticism with extreme kindness, and you kind of get that with <laughs> Mister um, uh, Rogers. And so I haven't yep. seen, I haven't seen the Doco, but I've seen the the, the Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks film, film. Yeah. and there's kind of like that that skepticism of like you're too positive why are you positive what's going on here mm. it's like no i just want to you know the is really good you know i just want to educate kids and and and, and teach them good values exactly it's it, it it's so painfully simple that They're,
0: like especially when they they become nationally and then internationally recognized and they end up becoming the highest grossing australian band mm um in certain years. And then there's that tall poppy syndrome aspect that Australians particularly our culture really yep. is just the worst with where it's, oh you're doing really well, what are you like, let me bring you down a couple of pegs and it's mm. like it's like they said, it's like, well we they were putting in the work. It's mm. not really f- fair for like you're not exploiting kids. God forbid you're... they make money. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: How
2: dare they teach your children? <laughs> yeah. But this
1: is the thing, and I wrote a few notes about this film has such an interesting relationship with the media and the, mm. the audience to a lesser extent that we'll get into that soon. But because there's that moment where they, they talk about that, the financial success, and how the media sort of clung to that, uh, which in turn the, their response is like, oh, well, like, uh, you know, what what's wrong exactly? Like, mm. We're appealing to kids and we're doing these songs and they're learning. And like, it's like Bruce Springsteen what,
0: made $65 million a year, but we don't go, but he's exploiting my money. Like. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And the and I kind of made a point of, I feel like this, by going chronologically, going from the 90s and then slowly to the early, you know, the 2020s where we are now, this doco kind of unintentional, maybe it is intentionally, mm. showcasing how the media and audiences have just become so critical over the years. And maybe that's just part of the structure of the doco, is, like, oh, mm. here are the good days, and then here are some of the challenges they had later on. But I'm watching it being like, Man, when did we become so cynical? Mm. And and I think that really encapsulates. We get the Sky News piece where they're all just like flabbergasted oh. Oh, and oh like, gender a diverse characters <laughs>
0: like freaking out honestly like a, it's... it's like a it literally is a bit from South Park, <laughs> South Park done but Sky News is just that like that hilarious in its over the topness yeah. mm-hmm. it's like but it's you know it's even like when they do the morning segments on, on the Today Show and they show those or yeah. when they cut to the sunrise like bits and they're like oh I don't know about this oh they would they were like they're so like that they're so critical and they're so cynical Mm. because it's almost like there's this undertone of resentment that oh i didn't think about making catchy children's songs but it's like and but you make a really valid point jesse where it's like the people like the wiggles essentially do raise kids that those shows were great pacifiers for Mm. a whole generation i mean you know if you you were being a pain in the butt with your parents. Chances are they put on the Wiggles because that would yeah. shut you up for two hours, <laughs> and you'd watch you'd watch that episode. Yeah. and you're learning stuff, and and it's the same sort of thing with Mister Rogers with like Will you be my neighbor? Is like it ends up becoming this they they pacify kids, they teach kids stuff, mm. and that cynicism that mm. comes through is is interesting because mm. it's created a a generational knock on effect. I don't know like. Kids are getting more and more cynical yeah. at younger and younger ages, and it's sad because yeah. they're, they're they're becoming not as nice of people. Mm. And there's
1: a- there's sort of one counter to this, and you did sort of allude to it earlier, Jesse. Haven't yeah. you? I was probably good enough to talk about it. Is they sort of portray the media again in this negative light of well, the, the way they covered the press of of um, is it Max who left the Wiggles and replaced like Sam? Sorry, isn't Sam? Sam. Sam. Sorry. Sam. What is, <laughs> sorry. Um. And that you know, Greg's coming back after the health scare, and but there's something that happens in the edit of this mm. documentary that, for a, just a second, like reframes of like, there's a lot more to this story that's not being. It's
0: a very told. odd. It's a very odd. Sequence Because it feels like there's
2: going to be more insight into it I mm. Yeah, and that is probably one of my criticisms of this film Is I feel like they bring up the Sam thing very briefly And then they immediately sweep it under the rug mm. I feel like it should have either not mentioned it t- I mean, you can't not mention it But I feel like it would have been better if they'd not mentioned it Or if they had fully gone into it And I do mm. wonder if maybe and i'm gonna take a stab and i'm gonna guess it's anthony maybe oh, okay yep I, <laughs> I know because in the documentary they clearly frame him as as almost like the ringleader um as okay. the one who's the creative driving force even after all the others uh after the OG Wiggles uh, move on, he's yeah. he's the last remaining one, and he's the one that's kept it all afloat. I have a funny feeling that uh, they tapped Sally Aiken on the shoulder and said, "We want to preserve our legacy. Don't show that." And that's probably a bit of a skeptical view, cynical well, view. It, of... I
1: I feel like it's more because this is the here's the thing. So like they have this little section, where it's like ah. Oh and here's the media once again misrepresenting the situation mm. his contract was ended Greg was coming back this is how and then they just put that little mm. piece of him in there in tears being like I was sad about what happened and and he just can't say he's holding back like mm. there's something he wants to say and it's just so interesting that well that Sally leaves that in the documentary mm. and it's just that little hint of like there's more to the story than meets the eye mm.
0: Perhaps that is that fine balance. Maybe that is like like Jesse said. Maybe there was a bit of pressure to remove some of it. Maybe she was adamant in keeping some of it in there. Mm. Um, I mean, the politics of it all. I do agree with mm. um, the documentary positions, and it definitely from all of the the accounts. It feels like Anthony is at the centre of the 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 Wiggles identity, sure. if you will. You know, mm. um, and I I definitely think the two. Bigger personalities are the the Greg and Anthony, and and it definitely feels like Jeff and Murray are, are more chilled and laid back, and mm. um, focus more on uh, they're just enjoying sort of the experience. But it, it, it's quite interesting because, like I said, they've they've left enough in there to make you go, oh, "What's kind of gone it's on a here?" Second guess, like, yeah, like what the story but is. But I suppose it comes back to the the uh, the the argument could be well they never said otherwise like but something clearly happened there because that bridge was completely burned mm. and you um, mentioned
1: Jesse he didn't he show did not up show up at there.
2: the premiere so and pretty much all of them were there like even Emma who's no longer part of sure. the crew she's doing her own thing um but she was even there and yeah pretty like i i couldn't think of any other person that was missing other than him <laughs> Gotcha. I mean, unless if there was, and which I do apologise, but he was the. I found it very interesting that mm. that everyone was there except him. And
1: yeah, I think there's some he's not happy with. Perhaps yeah. the edit there, or that maybe perhaps the something edit. he said was not included.
2: Yep. there's there's definitely a deeper story, and I can't wait for the Sam expose. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming, but
0: it's just. A, but to be honest, it's a perfectly quaint documentary that mm. follows it, but it doesn't really go too much into detail on a lot of things to it's quite because there's so maybe there's so much time to cover but everything feels very bi like just mm. biographical this mm. is sort of the list of events and they talk a little bit about cultural aspects and such but it, it does paint them in a very positive light that of course yeah. um and challenges points such as the media's sort of kind of like um mm. negative uh, cynicism towards the sure. band mm. um but to be honest, m- maybe for the most part there wasn't too much drama behind the scenes or anything. They, they allude that people get on each other, they got on each other's nerves when they were touring, sure, yeah, excessive periods, but nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. And um,
1: I, f- I thought it was very funny how quickly they they uh, skip. Is it is it Lachlan and Emma who get married?
2: Yeah, and, like and then within all of a one cut di- their divorce. divorced. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> I was like,
1: whoa, that's a bit of a whiplash, right? They're like, I guess, yeah, because it's like, well, there, I guess there's not much story to tell. And, oh, two of these members got married. Yeah. And then you have to mention that they're not married anymore.
0: Yeah. but Separate t- pretty quick, too. Mm-hmm.
1: But that's it. It's like, it's just, there was no yeah. story between those two events. Their answers were very
0: professional, too. They yeah. were like, mm. yeah, we just didn't like where we were we yeah. were a, as partners and we thought we'd be better as friends. And I was like, oh, this is, doesn't feel rehearsed or media trained. <laughs> <laughs> it, it honestly felt like the interviews, I mean, it mm. felt like all of them, obviously they've been in front of cameras. They've been performing for so long. And mm. to be honest, if they've gone into a teaching background, they're also going to be quite well spoken. Mm. Yeah. Cause that just comes with the, the territory, all of their interviews, like, felt very uh considered and thought out which it didn't feel like a lot of it was going off the cuff there wasn't didn't feel like maybe any of the questions were like trying to catch them off guard or keep them guessing well
1: i think that's more just like like you said they're educators and they've been around children for so many years working with children or performing for children that when i saw that and i noticed you know even just like the particulars of of like clarifying like i have nothing against the color yellow Mm. You know, just clarifying those things, or this idea of like not understanding marriage in the twenties. Yeah, and like they're very, like you said, they're very safe about how they approach those topics. Mm. And I don't think that's to do with any sort of, like the interviews were set up very safely. I think that's just their authentic person. They're they're yeah. equipped mm. for this this kind of discussion and how to turn it into something that's child absolutely. friendly. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I did pick up on that. Yeah, <laughs> but they're all like
0: very well spoken. Yeah, and, like, yeah, are yeah. always quick to be like. Yeah, we didn't have a diverse group back in the '90s. Like they're like they're almost covering every PC landmine mm. they could run into. They <laughs> have a good PRT. <laughs> they do. But it
1: even goes back to like the systemic decisions they made for their show. Of like, well, you know, we need a we need a pirate because we've got something that appeals yep. to the girls. Let's find something that appeals to the guys. Mm. And to make this, well, they need a sword because it's just the iconography of the sword. And making it a feather sword mm. just to remove, to shed off that that violent. Imagery yeah. Yeah, imagery, yeah, imagery or association with the that, sword.
0: That to me is the most compelling part. Is i yeah. genuinely listening to the intellect that goes behind what we would, you know, as children, we just see a, a pirate with we don't a think much sword, yeah, we part. just think, yeah. oh, they, that's fun. Now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> play mashed potato, yeah, hot potato, yeah.
1: yeah. But yeah. I mean, that's in it. it. It goes mm. even. There's one portion I don't, I don't think I wrote it down, but where they're talking about the. I mean, you see it in their first music video, you almost kind of see them grow into the mm. the performative body motions and because every song they have has some like, sort of... A- exactly, there's yeah, like an action to it all yeah. and, and all the kids just mm. know it instinctually. Mm. And I, I love the one they talk about, I can't remember which, for some, which song it was for. Is it the side-by-side play? I maybe yeah because they talk about specifically having moves where you don't have to hold the hands of the yeah. kids around you. Mm. I was like, that is so ingenious. Yeah, parallel. Like, parallel the point. parallel, parallel, like, yes, parallel. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, like they know this stuff. Like,
2: and I think as well, like the big, the big thing that I really took away from the Docker was like just how vast their body of work is. Mm. Like I think, and nostalgia is such a funny thing. Like um, I. W- Whenever I think of The Wiggles, I think of, like, I have these memories of, like, these these little fragments here and there from, like, you know, one VHS and this, this show. Sure. And, like, somewhere in my mind, I've sort of collated them all into one thing. And so whenever I, you know, used to think of The Wiggles, I thought, oh, yeah, just one video or one movie or one show. Mm-hmm. But, like, actually watching this and being like, Holy crap, like they had so many shows, they had all these albums, and just realised... i I had this moment of like they are way bigger than what I thought they yeah, were. Yeah. Um like I just had this very specific image in my mind of who they were and then realizing like no they were around in the nineties, they had um they played a Madison Square Garden, mm. um and even and we've brought we haven't even brought up the fact that nine eleven's brought up in this movie <laughs>
3: Um, yeah, that's okay. it.
0: That, that whole, that's an interesting <laughs> segment too, because of the, they cut to the, the interview with, um, that woman who the, lost the her husband. husband yeah. yeah. And I thought that was like, interesting that that was in the doco, because mm. what was her association to the Wiggles? Was I she, think... Was she like the PR I, manager in this stage. No, 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 or?
1: I think because she had that interaction with the Wiggles when they did their first US tour. mm and I guess, I guess that's just like a lucky nab they had. It was like, oh, here's someone who like met them, mm. um, so they would have had to hunt her down. But then her husband,
2: uh, yeah, was one of the first responders who went yeah. down, and then was also was yeah, wasn't he? Re- they say he was like really into the Wiggles as well. Like had they had a kid? Yeah, they had a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: the, it was—it goes back to the whole thing of like putting the Wiggles on when you can't mm. handle the kid, or in this case, it's something almost a distraction from the horror of, of the kid yeah. losing their dad mm. um, and just, like, how important... So, like, that's a g- great interview to sort of nab mm. and put in there. And it, it, as funny as it is, that cut, Yeah. because it cuts to the plane and it just says September 20, 2001, on <laughs> the corner.
2: I'm like, no, I was not expecting no. this at a Wiggles <laughs> <docker>. <laughs> What The it way was- it cuts to just 9-11 is so... What did I sign up for? Oh, yeah. my
1: Lord, but... But they, I, I will say they kind of do find the best place to put it in because they mm. do sort of... This whole idea of, of the Wiggles being very Australian-focused and appealing to Australian children specifically is not really highlighted, but once we see the footage of them going into the US uh, mm. and these other markets and they have, like, three children yeah. show up to the concert, that's almost what highlights, like, their their Australian yeah. influence um but then yeah using the whole 911 situation as a way to show like there is a universa- universality to mm. their appeal and to what they're doing for the children and their entertainment mm. so I, they do sort of find the most appropriate way to put that in the doco yeah. without it feeling too random and then 911 well, like 9/11 well, like,
0: well, like we we were the fix for the 911 thing like yeah. we came in like this Great wiggle savior and yeah. made everything sunshine and they roses.
1: They hijacked the plane. The Jesus, wiggles. okay, let's, oh, Jesus Jack. let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> there were the heroes. I cut that. There tragic, were the heroes in the story. As.
2: Gonna get cancelled. Oh, in Oh god, love it. Oh well, you know you've only got a couple of episodes left, yeah, so yeah, we're it's just gonna get to the end of that. Yeah. There
1: we go. i oh, will reinserted it. <laughs> <laughs> the end of it, the last episode, but uh, there's a few other things we should touch on, which I think was quite interesting. So we have Anthony talking a bit about the depression that... Mm. I guess he doesn't develop it during the Wiggles. I guess it, I guess it was always there and it's something that mm. he struggled to open up with during... But then he has that Today interview, which I was surprised because like mm. you kind of expect watching a docker like this, oh, they're going to like retroactively explore these struggles. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait, no, he was very public about it
3: yeah. for many years. I yeah. was
1: surprised to see that little segment in there. mm and an interesting way they tied into the the pieces, to camera where they're there on the couch, like watching the iPad footage and then commentating on that. That's mm. that's
0: like a new trend in uh in like these in docos mm. is this watching iPad footage yeah. iPad footage reaction.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a smart way to just sort of interconnect those pieces mm. and make them sort fit yeah. better. And the other thing I did appreciate is they stop putting C-stands in the interview pieces. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they actually put, like, instruments and stuff, which is brilliant because yeah. then you get them... They would just randomly get out of their spot and grab an instrument to, like, demonstrate a point or to play a song. and mm. So it's a good little use of, like, you know, mise-en-scene and set design...
2: I uh, really like the set design in it as well. They could have easily have just done a Talking Heads blank wall, etc. But yeah. I know, I think it really sort of fit their personality. Yeah, especially yeah.
0: when they were going through and showing, like, when it would be intercut with, oh, we're going to talk about this song, and then sometimes I'd be playing mm. it in the interview or it'd be intercut yep. to the 18-plus concert, playing yep. it at the concert. And that was just really cool, the way that it all flowed together, especially mm. when you got to the later ones where you start adding in all the newer wiggles and mm. how they... Over all of them are able to play songs and like intercut, yeah. particularly when they're developing the elephant cover, yeah oh it was so cool like, yeah so i didn't awesome.
2: think they were going to put that in there i was like sitting there thinking oh it'd be great if we like we could hear the tame impala elephant El- El- nah. cover and then it happened i was like yeah! <laughs> yeah cheered in that cinema yeah. that was my oscar cheer worthy moment oh, whatever nice. that category is called yeah yeah the
1: cheer worthy <laughs> yeah it wasn't a snacks z- snack zyda oh my god. It, um. <laughs> it
2: wasn't No Way Home, it was the moment when Elephant came up. <laughs> nice, we love it. Well, Ooh. I guess the the whole Anthony thing is
1: sort of the the juxtaposition to that is Greg, mm. who was facing his illness, and obviously the film spends a lot of time on that, and he kind of goes the opposite route of he tries to hide it mm. for as long as he can. And, um, well, what what do we think about this sort of extended segment of him struggling to perform, struggling to
0: stay in also the spotlight. the bushfire relief part was pretty Oh my God.
2: That was... Wow.
0: When you see him go down, they've got the footage yeah, yeah. where he's like... Yeah. And just the the sheer... Like, w- that would have been so crazy and the fact that mm. apparently a nurse came and, like, mm. helped give, like... Imagine being at that concert having a great time and one of them just, like, collapses like mm. that and you end up having to go up there. And, but just Anthony's anthony and murray in that
2: they're moment terrified their they composure are... they're like guys we're gonna sing another song <laughs> <laughs> but then i like, don't know if they're gonna sing another song they're like they're like but they're so
0: stressed yeah yeah um oh mate But the fact that they're still willing to go up and do another song, and it's like
2: I don't know if I'm jumping the gun a bit. (laughs) No, I feel like I'm jumping the gun. But (laughs) uh, but that was my highlight scene, and not Mm. and not in a sense that it's a fun scene. I think just because of how, like, of a gut punch moment it is, and like it was a moment where I sort of, you know. Obviously talked about earlier, you know, you, you idolize these people growing yep. up. It was just that real, and I, I mean, they've all had a lot of health issues growing, uh, like throughout the recent years. But because that was only a couple of years ago, that was like a real you moment that for so me, distinctly, where yeah. I was like, "Oh, these people are human, and they will probably die soon." Yeah, especially, um, especially when you think of the context of the
0: concert, it's mm. like comes back to that they they got back together to raise money because of one of the, the most horrible bushfire seasons mm. we have mm. um
2: but then and, to f- and oh, that that happened yeah. yeah for that to happen yeah. it's just wild for, but for, then to follow mm. it up with like the the second attempt at the concert uh, when they did the big 2022 tour i think that mm. was like just a really good because you could have like cuz that moment comes towards the end and i was yeah. like are they gonna end on there? <laughs> but then they sort of it's almost like a that was our first attempt at the OG Wiggles did not work out. And then they I I'm glad that they got that second attempt. But yeah.
0: But even to have the follow up like show on the bushfire mm. relief and then they get all the other like wiggles to come in and wear the like the yellow shirt for Greg. Mm. It's like mm. oh so heartwarming except him. Yeah. Apparently. well the, the <laughs> <laughs> except sound <Sam. laughs>
1: but this is the thing and I, and I will say that is also my highlight seeing mm. Jesse and and specifically what about it's so harrowing in, in not just the ways that you would describe where like these are your childhood heroes uh, either dying on stage or freaking out trying to cover up this dying mm. on stage for all these you know, adoring fans and some. Ki- I imagine there were a bunch of kids, and the- or oh, was this the eighteen? I think this was an eighteen plus one. Okay, but it
2: wasn't the big tour that they did last year. It sure, it was like a yeah. smaller bushfire one somewhere. So. Yeah,
1: because yeah. we all we vividly remember the those bushfires and mm-hmm. like. I mean, we can make another joke. You were on. your previous podcast here was before that bushfire oh wow so
2: (laughs) (laughs) that long ago really so yeah it's
1: like it's still fairly fresh in our minds and and especially that concert and their their return because it's such a big deal but what's so like freaked me out about that scene is like the audience we see everyone on stage freaking out Mm. like it's 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 like you know you, your body tenses up just thinking about mm-hmm. those, because there's such authentic reactions oh my god my friend's dying right around the corner yeah um, that the entire audience doesn't seem to notice at all mm. nobody in the audience because uh, uh, I was watching I'm waiting for that moment where we see an audience member like yeah. click on that something's wrong yeah
2: then we don't get that you don't get like and audience screams either no it's just it's nothing just, like just that just chatter and you're like oh this this feels weird And
1: and like you said like this was their return to form and like yeah again in line with this whole like media um critique that this thing has done and that we not only is the media constantly finding ways to to take down the wiggles but we have the og wiggles that the audiences are just constantly begging like Mm. we want the og we don't like the new ones we want them back we want them back Mm. and it's like they almost kill greg Mm. through the sheer force of like you you owe us another concert yeah and like i just thought that was all so fascinating. That was all playing in that mm, scene yeah. for me. Mm. Now, well, um,
0: Zeke, are you ready to jump into your highlight scene potentially? Sure. Sure. Um, I'm going to go with, I mean, I really like a lot of the, particularly the earlier stuff because I really find the education theory mm. behind some of the mm. things. Of course. Um, I'll probably say how they conceive the, because it's my favourite Wiggers song to that, um Rocket, rocker by a bear like the bear oh song, yeah, that's yeah. a great banger song <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <banger>. slaps um <laughs> but how they talk about things like the parallel learning and how yeah. the kids like learn like that anthony then astutely sort of talks about the the difference between like this is like a lesson song or this is mm-hmm. like a this is how you dance song and then yeah. this is like it's just that acute methodology is is just so interesting mm. um and i yeah it's just a song that slaps. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a really nice... And I remember that song, and it makes me f- yeah. happy hearing it. And then it... I find that the... the Like you said, the... There's so many moments when they talk about, like, developing Dorothy as a as a character. And, mm. and that's so interesting. And oh, partic- the, the
1: fact that, like, the face is kind of all that needs to work mm. for a kid to be engrossed oh, in the character. So interesting. But it... Mm. Yeah.
0: And... Even just the intercutting to the modern day concert and seeing all of these fully grown adults just like crying and being mm. so happy because it's not even about like it's not like a fangirl cry. It's a I remember feeling like innocent and a mm, child yeah. and watching this. You know, I still remember watching the Wiggles go to Australia Zoo for the day, like that, <laughs> that VHS or the VHS. There was one with um, they were like animated and they yeah, went to like the I moon I remember that. and they did the oh, eagle rock yes um, oh my gosh eagle I have not thought about. Um, oh mate and then it's like i said like seeing the old abc logo and i can remember how that that sounded and then it would cut to it was like their 98 performance which was when they started to do the live shows and it was like i remember watching that mm. concert and just being like completely enamoured or then you see the big red car mm. and it's so cool that it actually works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still think it's cool. It Does started
1: it? off as like a 2D cardboard thing as but we it's see in the... It's amazing. Yeah. It's like, it, honestly, car, yeah.
0: like those early shows where they're like performing at kids' parties. Imagine if you had the Wiggles at your kids' party. Yeah, Yeah. Like...
2: Back then. Like, that's just wild. Insane. Well, better than a clown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's Joaquin Phoenix. He's at my birthday
3: party. Yeah. yeah I, probably I, not going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd probably say stuff like
0: that because I found that yeah, I never yeah. had thought about and was genuinely surprised how much theory I thought mm. it was going to be. Uh, like, I will we say. Really we was... like teaching, and mm. then. Yeah. But we like music. Let's put the two together and then. We can make trendy. We've, we're identifying a specific niche.
3: Mm. Yeah.
1: Well, right. to that point, I was kind of expecting a bit more of, like, you know, why they pick the chord progression that they do or, like, the... You know, I, I thought yeah. they were going to get a little more deep into the musical aspect. And there is a section where, where Sam talks about, like, trying to match his vocals with the rest of the Wiggles. Yeah. So I thought th- th- it would be nice to have a little more of that for the, the musos watching. But I, mm. like you said, I think the psychology and the... Behavioral stuff was awesome. just as impactful yeah. and interesting. I
2: and mean, they kind of dabble on it a, a little bit with the um, like you know how hot potato was supposed to be hot tamale. Yeah, and yeah. Then and the like, cockroach the influence. And yeah, grody stuff. and yeah, yeah. That's so, true. so, and you know, the the band that they were in before they became the Wiggles, and how they have this sort of yeah influence of like you know fifties fifties and sixties rock. Yeah. and it is um, in there, that's a good It point. is there, yeah. but it's, yeah, I do agree. I think that's maybe something they could have maybe touched on a bit more, but... I like
0: that Greg's, like, a decade younger than all of them, but probably looks older than all of them. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like wild to think about and yeah. then that greg was basically a fanboy of anthony <laughs> simping
1: hard can i can i do one last bonus highlight scene sure, sure. not my real highlight scene but I, I do want to give a shout out to the section of the docker that really covers the struggles of them touring a lot and not being with their families which is pretty typical i guess for a band and a music mm. docker but i love the the note that i think greg says he that he finds the irony in that he's spending so much time entertaining other t- others' children and kids yeah. but doesn't have time for his own mm. and I just thought yeah. that was an astute thing which comes around when Anthony hires his own daughter as a Wiggle Yeah, <laughs> so that, that's a great little like ah oh, nice yeah. I feel better about myself
2: but I also feel like that's <laughs> something that maybe I mean that's that's insurance I feel um, it's a way for the Wiggles to maintain who they are in the future Mm. because they actually have one of their own is now a member of the Wiggles. Yeah. So, like, I feel like there's less of a chance that it's not just going to be taken over by... Like, some company's just going to come and buy them and then turn it into some corporate product kind of thing. It's like...
0: But I don't really know what else, like they've grown and developed like they Mm. obviously are drastic i would say they're already drastically different to what they were originally Mm. i mean that whole diversifying and all that and at at the end of the day i'd be curious to see what would happen if but i do agree Mm. i think that that having that family legacy aspect um and i have a feeling the four originals or particularly anthony Mm. will up until he passes away will be Always there with a vested interest in in the Wiggles. Yeah, mm. um, but it's kind of like Sesame Street. After a certain point, it's like what what it'll just forever be. It's almost immortalized now. We've yeah. I think the Doco kind of does have an ending in the sense that the Wiggles or whatever amalgamation of the Wiggles we we see in front of us, it's still the Wiggles. Yeah, mm. um, and actually the the people in front of the uh, the four people up on the stage in whatever the the four colored skivvies it won't matter who those four are because mm. the Wiggles will just never mm. change.
1: What an ingenious... The coloured Skivvies. Man, they, they must yeah. be Makes, so yeah. happy about that. <laughs> oh, <wait>. mate. <laughs> that people. they did that, yeah. I
0: want to do a Wiggles birthday where, like, everyone dresses up as a Wiggle.
1: That'd Ooh, be so fun. That's not a bad nice. idea. That'd
3: be a fun thing. We can
1: all dress up as our
3: favourite... I, I
0: would wear yellow. Let's go. Yeah. Because I, like I don't think those Skivvies are that expensive. You oh, even no. just, You could probably just get a yellow shirt and then, like... Iron it on. Well, that's it. You saw my Halloween costume.
3: I'm yeah. all
0: up for the cheap
1: cheap,
3: cheap, cheap costumes. costumes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Well, Hot Potato: The Story of the Wiggles is currently out on Amazon Prime. Oh,
1: that's Prime Real Estate right there. Oh-ho! Oh. But speaking of those streaming <laughs> platforms, Jake, what's new to <laughs> new?
0: streaming platforms and cinemas near us?
1: There's quite a few interesting things coming out, spread out, if you will. Yes. We've got Magic Mike's Last Dance coming to Netflix. As well as a doco series named after its subject, Robbie Williams. So, there you go. Cool. Kind of reminds me of the, yeah. like the Beckham naming convention. Yeah. We kind of had the whole superhero. We went from Batman to the Dark Knight. It's all the nicknames now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're, we're getting that in that circle now. Uh, we've got films like Birdman, Zoolander, The King of Comedy coming nice. to stand this week. So, nice little tie-in there. Yeah. For Wait, your last... hang on.
2: That's on Disney+. Plus.
1: Oh is it really? It is. Oh, there you go. As someone who does not have Disney Plus anymore, but has Stan. Yeah. I'm uh, keen to maybe rewatch uh, the King yeah. yeah, There you go. Yeah. We like it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> uh speaking of Prime, we have got Spider-Man: Across the Spider-Verse comes oh, to yeah. Prime this
2: week. Nice. Yeah. I would love to rewatch that. Yeah. It feels like a part it feels too much like a part 1 for me, and I'm very curious yeah. to yeah. see how it fits in the context of part 2. Um, I I will reassess it when that second one comes out. But I did kind of feel like it was just sort of a... Yeah, it was in, in the middle. Like, it was fun, but like... That's how I felt, too. Yeah. Mm. You pretty much, yeah. That That's
0: kind of how I felt. Yeah. I was like, I can't really... F- I like the first film because it's yeah. a definitive start-finish and stuff. And part films are always... Yeah, like you said, you might as well judge them as a whole. Yeah. But... Because you need the second part, and mm. I thought it was yeah, it was fun. It was yeah. fun. Uh, yeah, I,
1: I, it might probably be my favorite film of the year, but I do agree that the part one of it mm. all is hinders it. And I'm really concerned because, like, from what I'm hearing with the animation studio and mm. the the management style of that one, I'm like, does that have any idea what the next film's about? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they do. <laughs> oh. I don't think there's a plan.
0: So no. yeah, they, I, they I'm worried that it's going to be like because of the cliffhanger ending, they're going to do what they did in like Desolation of Smaug, where they just deal with that in the first ten minutes, and then it's about something completely different.
1: Yeah, that would that would be very interesting, because it, I actually do think it's a little bit of a weak cliffhanger. Like it, I don't think you can get another two and a half hours of mileage out of that cliffhanger. Yeah, no, because
2: wasn't the first film like only an hour and a half or something? Yeah,
1: Isn't yeah, it, it yeah. was definitely less than two. And then this is like one of the longest animated films ever made. Mm. So and
2: no, but yeah.
1: I, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm excited to rewatch it. Yeah, because the animation is just like
2: it's very cool, stupendous. Yeah. If nothing else, it is a very good. The effects and the animation. Show. Yeah, well, it should yeah. win. It could win awards just for that alone. But yeah. you know,
0: I I would have preferred if they were to do three films that they were three standalone films with maybe a very uh, like in the original, you know, the Raimi Spider Man, yeah. where there there is a through line between all three of them, but it's not huge or yeah. we don't need to yeah. see the, the for like, sure because it's just I I find superhero films just work better without. Like Mm. when they work in their isolation, like this is the villain for this film, like yeah, um, with yeah, with with through lines, and it's it's weird
1: because like you got the whole part one part two thing. You're seeing it everywhere for like Mission Impossible, Mm. which I think they've really shot themselves in the foot with the whole part one thing. Mm. But then you think back to Infinity Ward and Endgame. It's like that was meant to be a part one part two. Mm. And I'm—I mm. bet they are so glad they changed those names and and got rid of the parts. Yeah. the title because like that worked as like an authentic. Like I'm excited to see the next one. Mm. Um, while in Spider Verse, it seemed the opposite effect where people were pissed yeah. that oh I didn't know this was part one. Yeah, so it's yeah it's a weird title. It's, maybe just don't do it, producers. Mm. Or you maybe make just don't do that. <laughs>
0: you wait an extra couple of years when you have both films finished. Yeah, and then you do the title. Mm release one one year release one the you next year you do a year. matrix two
2: and three <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you block, edit and assemble it like. i mean
1: definitely hollows but that six months apart yeah that I remember thinking in high school, in primary
0: school, I was like, "That's going to be painful." It wasn't that painful.
3: Yeah, actually,
2: Six yeah. Wait. I yeah. I, I think in my head it was longer than what I I thought it was. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but that's 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 the way you do it if you do part films. I think mm. you wait and it's not and like, don't go. sit in this world yeah. where it's like, oh, well, we needed one. And it's like it would have been five years since the previous film. So mm. what's mm. making that into seven or eight years? What's really the difference? Yeah, yeah. But they're just worried that the superhero trains probably already leaving the station and maybe by the time they'd finished both films yep those, those
1: listening at home read the is it the variety article oh yeah the Marvel? variety excellent. article that came excellent out excellent article and i know there's a little like conjecture and hearsay in there mm-hmm. you know, l- using my lawyer turns in there but um it sounds pretty accurate yeah the crap that's going over there um i mean that perfectly leads into the fact that the marvels comes out next week who oh, cares? is anyone saying
2: that? N- no. <laughs> is it a film? Or is it
1: a it's show? A, it, no, it's a film. It's coming out in the
2: cinemas. Here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. Let's talk about the Marvels for a minute. I genuinely feel sorry for all of the newer characters that they've brought in. Because obviously, like, they're trying to diversify a bit more. So you've got... um. Uh, you know, like Kamala Khan. Yeah, that, that Kamala character. Khan, Miss Marvel, and she seems genuinely. Monica Rainbow. Yeah. She seems genuinely wrapped to be to be there, and sure. you, yeah, and you've got like, I don't know. I feel like you. I wasn't a big fan of Shang Chi, but you've got um, Simu Lu as Shang Chi, and you've got yeah. all these a little bit more sort of left-of-field characters that they're trying to bring in because they're done with the main, you know, the more popular characters, like yeah. your Man's and your Captain Americas. But I feel like they brought them in at the worst time. They brought it in when, when the fatigue's starting to set mm. in. Like, five, ten years ago, I would have loved to have watched the Marvels. They'd be like, oh, yeah, cool, Kamala Khan, that's awesome, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm just like, I really don't care. Like, this well, is- They've just milked the <laughs> cow. They've milked the cow yeah.
0: too long and... And it's dried up and no one cares anymore. Yeah. Like, uh, Like yeah. the thing is that they're, they're, we just want to see something different. It, it mm. was like when Westerns were the thing or the um, roadshow musicals, like when they were all the rage and, and the cinema was saturated with them. Eventually, people got sick of seeing spaghetti Westerns and they went, yeah, yeah I, I want to see something else. Mm. It's just, and we're just at this point now, we're, we're waiting for the next thing. The problem is... No one knows what the next money-making machine is going to be.
2: Or mm-hmm. um, well, actually, I know. It's um, all those bloody uh, historical biopics that we keep on getting, like your... Yeah, yeah, Oppenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, like your black... <laughs> What's the Blackberry one that came out? Oh,
1: I see your your tech billionaire. Yeah,
2: like your tech billionaire and oh my gosh, he he's done a I'm pretty sure the Blackberry thing. one
1: is called Blackberry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: But like, uh, like I is think it, like that and dumb we're, we're, money and yeah, we're, we're talking, talking dumb like, money. Yeah. But we're exactly. looking for the next
0: billion dollar money making machine. Like that's what they're thinking about. I saw a video. Oh god, I'm
1: kicking myself. I can't remember who. It might have been Captain Midnight on YouTube. Great, oh, okay. great stuff. He was t- saying how like this, he can see the trajectory going into video game movies. I mean, you think about mm. this year, Super Mario, yeah. obviously, The Last of Us, the show, um Friday Night, Friday Night, the Freddy, Five Nights, Five of Freddy. Nights five, Freddy. Yeah. It's it's smashing at the box office. Mm. I never in a million years thought that film would kill the way it's killing right
0: now. Oh, I thought it would make a lot of money because yeah. it, it's at the right age demographic.
3: Sure, yeah, high school yeah. kids okay. would
0: love it. Um yeah it's mm. weird that something like you know I'd be su- but you might be right you mm. might be onto something Maybe well that, that's
3: specific. his
1: theory mm. and I just wanted to mention it because I'm like well there's a little weight to it because he's saying we're in a sort of similar moment with the video game movie Zeitgeist mm. as we were with superheroes in 2008 where we had superhero movies they're mostly pretty cheesy mm. and you may you may get like a Raimi excellence yeah. one or, or well, Free every Guy now and did and then, pretty but, well too made a lot yeah. of money but I I don't know if he's referring to, like, IP, like, specific IP, mm. as opposed to, like, a movie about gaming.
0: Well, Last of Us has obviously
2: done really well. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to see more of that because I think in the last five to ten years, obviously, we've seen what gaming can be mm-hmm. and that it's not just, like, shoot 'em ups and, you know, just, like, gra- like you can tell compelling stories in yeah. a video game format, and i it's it's the last of us is the the sort of the thing that's going to really you know propel these sorts of stories mm-hmm. and we're going to get I rec- yeah we'll definitely see a lot more of like these like big budget dramatic pieces one thing i'd love to see mm-hmm. um a a i don't know how they'd do it like an o or G- I'm going to say an anthology Red Dead series. Ooh. Now, I, I mean, okay, Red Dead 2 would be yeah,
1: phenomenal and adaptation.
2: Don't, yeah, and don't necessarily focus on the main characters of Red Dead, but just the world of Red Dead. Okay. Um, And I think that's how you sort of elite really, like, because that's the problem at the moment is, like, with all of these video game movies, you're trying to cram, you know, 30 hours of gameplay into two hours sort sure. of thing. True. Um, but so we have
0: seen It Can Be Done. It like, can be done. I would done. say The yeah. Last of Us season is, that that is a success. Mm. Yeah. I
1: reckon that, in terms of the length, that's probably real time. You yeah. got mm. what, a nine hour show. Yeah. Roughly. You can beat that game in nine hours. Yeah. So I think that's that's where like the runtime adjacent argument yeah. comes in. But then yeah, you got things like I mean I was gonna say Max Payne. I don't know yeah. why on earth. I haven't even seen it. Um but like Unchar Uncharted Inferior is a perfect adaptation because that's a story you can easily confine to a two hour film. It's a it's shame shorts. they cast Tom it, Holland. It's a shame it's well, a Marvel. shame they cast everyone I, they yeah, did in that movie. Everyone. Just everyone. <laughs> and then
0: Made Antonio Banderas your villain. You're like, okay, I buy yeah. that as a villain, and then kill him to, halfway through the film mm. for no reason other than, oh, mate.
1: and then give it to the girl that um, on the D, D on the down low it was meant to play Elena, and then yeah. they just changed at the last second yeah. and made her a villain for some reason. Yeah.
3: So <laughs> I have not
2: seen this movie.
3: Oh, we do is... not have any intention So, so worth it. it. Not it is no. so worth it. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I was insulted. We wow. talked about the last Waltz as a golden chalk top winner. That was our stale popcorn winner. Probably the oh. most easy know, yeah. stale popcorn. <laughs> yeah, <ever given. laughs> we knew the answers to that question in February. It's too good for no, uh, no
2: stale popcorn is too good for that film. It, like. is, it really is <laughs> rotten popcorn. Oh my goodness! But yeah. it's like
1: that. That is like the perfect thing of like if you want to turn mm. fifteen hours into
2: a two-hour movie, Uncharted is your perfect blueprint, and they yeah.
1: they messed it up. They smudged so it.
2: But yeah, my pitch. It, it, if I were given a billion dollars and told make a red dead property and go nuts I would oh, I would do a limited anthology series like mm. set in a saloon and it's just, like, an old-timer who's, like, got a drink in his hand just telling stories from the Old West. Yeah. And it's, like, you don't necessarily follow one particular character, but it's just, like, it's all the different things. Like, like maybe one of them is, like, an episode around, like, because uh, you know how they had uh, Undead Nightmare? Like, yep. one of them's, like, a like a horror story where it's, like, oh, you know. It's like a ballad of Buster Scruggs. Or, yeah, pretty much. Like, inspired <laughs> by a ballad of Buster Scruggs, I like, have one episode where it's, like, dedicated to like oh we went down to like this part of town and there were these really weird folk and then like was <laughs> they were like these almost undead and you couldn't see their eyes and all that sort of stuff and have one where it's like a bank robbery and one where it's like this i don't know there's so many stu- like i had so much fun playing red dead Two, and i feel like even, even like the fact that you can find like the
1: sasquatch in the yeah. game like, it's not even just the DLC. It's, like, within the main game, there's wacky things that they, they hide in there. And... Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that idea.
2: Yeah. Uh, Studios, if you're listening... Get on to it. Let me greenlight a Yeah. Um... <laughs> pay Jesse for yeah. the idea. Pay me, give me all the royalties. <laughs> <laughs> now,
1: this is quite interesting. There's a bunch more coming to cinemas this week. We mentioned The Last Waltz quite a few times. Is this the 80s version of The Last Waltz? Yeah. We've got Stop Making Sense... Ah. Which is the Talking Heads concert movie from 1984, 4K remaster? Yep. is it A24 or Neon or
2: A24 are uh, dis- doing the international distribution of it? Okay, yeah, because I yeah I saw this film explode on Letterboxd again, and I'm
1: mm. like, it came out 30 years ago. What, yeah, <laughs> what's going on? And they obviously re-released it, so it's it, we're getting it. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it's Events and Luna. Luna it's are playing it. A, it's yeah. a few places. Yeah. It did play
2: it southwest, southwest, and I just had I oh, didn't have didn't I have I wish I'd seen it, but I I don't know. I had a busy schedule and it was just mm. one of those things where because I saw it was on Luna's thing uh on, on there coming soon, I was like Yeah, I'll go see it when I get back. You bet well,
1: because this is coming out before any of the other films you saw. So I think you made the right decision there. Yeah. So that's coming out in a couple of days. We've got a film called Freelance, which sees John Cena as a former Special Forces operative. Sick of his dead-end desk job, take on a freelance gig protecting a washed-up journalist played by Alison Brie. And things take a turn when they are forced to survive in the jungle together. He just lost a crown jewel
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've seen this plot before It seems uh, very familiar Lost his wrestling match against Solo Sokola Watched it today
1: Oh, Oh, there you go Um, We've got an animated comedy called Headspace it kind of gives me that... You know, remember Home? Remember that animated film, Home, about the alien? Yeah, vs Alien? It kind of yeah. has that style to it. Mm. Um, this is about three aliens that find themselves stranded in the brain of a 16-year-old woman. Is it about how brains it- have feelings?
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think he might have
1: spoiled the story. It's actually Norman from Paranormal. Oh, There's a okay. crossover. Yeah. yeah. Cool. No, it's not, but it would be cool if it was. It would be cool, yeah. <laughs> 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 Playing at Hoyts this week, you have a film called A Fire, which is a German drama about a group of friends on a holiday home trapped when the surrounding forest catches fire that is awfully timely. Yep. That's, uh, not, let's move on from that. Yep. And uh, we've got another film called Bad Behaviour, in which uh, Jennifer Connelly plays a former child actor seeking enlightenment at a retreat. Interesting. interesting, interesting role yeah. for her. Uh, over at Luna, we got *Mutiny in Heaven*, the birthday party, which is a documentary that covers Nick Cage and his first band, his first band. Oh yeah, sorry, first band, as they offer an unfiltered look into the post-punk success. Do Nick you mean Cave. Nick
2: Cave? I oh sorry, yeah, Nick Cave. What did I say? Cage. You said Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> He's
3: I busy mean, down under.
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, I'd love to see Nick Cage in a band.
1: Brother. Damn, that's funny. I got so caught up on the other words that I thought I miswrote. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I write the complete wrong thing on my document, and it's uh, that's always it's a okay. We're free writing
0: uh, the Peaky Blinders theme.
1: <laughs> that's it. There you go. It's, I I think I wrote this documentary document at two a.m. So yes, that, give
0: me a little leeway, everybody, please.
1: Yeah. Um, sorry. Yes, Nick Cave. You are correct. Yep. Uh, And finally, playing exclusively at Palace this week, we have Paris Memories, which sees Mia survive a terrorist attack at a bistro and three months later, still traumatised and looking for a way to move on, returns to the site where she meets
0: fellow survivors. Excellent. That's very interesting. Well, we're not catching any of those next week on the show. No. No. But, Jake, we are (laughs) doing a new film.
1: Yes, and I actually deleted it off my document because I'm like, oh, wait. That is a film we're
0: watching next week. <laughs> we can't have that in the previous segment. <laughs> but Jake, what are we watching?
1: Next week on the show, Zeke, we are watching David Fincher's latest Netflix film, The Killer. Fazbender is a solitary, cold and methodical killer who waits in the shadows and the longer he waits for his next target the more he thinks he's losing his mind if not he's cool
2: I think it's criminal that this film got barely a cinematic release at mm. all because like literally I think it came out what, last week? and I... and... Yeah. and I found out about it. I was like, "Oh, yeah, cool." And then I looked at my 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 calendar, and I was like, "I don't have time to see this." And then yeah. I looked to see when it's coming out on Netflix. It's like next week or something. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I feel like so someone's Netflix, done though. That's, someone's yeah. done the dirty on David Fincher, and I I feel like that man deserves a proper theatrical run.
1: Yeah, but that, I mean, that's the thing because it's like you got Scorsese fighting for longer fear, fi- and Apple gave him one, which mm. is awesome. But it's like Marriage Story, Irishman, um, even Mank. I mean, doesn't help my point. That's still Fincher. But yeah. I feel like that's just Netflix, period. Mm. They get the two weeks in to get the Oscar noms and then they bounce. Yeah. And it's a shame because, like, I'm hearing this is a great film. Mm. Very weirdly self, um, I guess, analytical. Yeah. I think the review I read is that this is directed by a guy who is ashamed that he is known as the Fight Club director. Ah, I'm like, that's yeah. an interesting take. Yeah. So I guess, like, Michael Fassbender is, like, very... Mm. He's very
2: uncool in this film. Yeah. That's an interesting premise. I'm, I like I'm that. I'm Kane. I'm Kane. And also Tilda Swinton's in it, so... Yes.
1: I did see that in the cast list. Yes. So keen. So hope hopefully, that, hopefully that's not, like, a reveal in the movie. Yes. <laughs> we I find out. But, um, Jesse... Thank you so much for joining us this week.
2: Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for enduring my random ramblings. Oh, my God. you're kidding me! But, yeah, no, it's been a real p- pleasure. I'm so glad you guys reached out to me. Um, just came at the perfect time for me. And I'm um, so glad that I can come and uh, see you guys off for uh, what's been the end of an era. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it isn't over yet. But until then, thank you for joining us for the Cinema side show Podcast.
2: I was Zeke. I was Jake. And I'm Jesse.
0: And we'll catch you next week with David Fincher's The Killer.
3: Bye.